Right then, welcome or welcome back to the Midnight Podcast, where we have super in-depth, authentic, super transparent, open conversations with an array of different entrepreneurs from many different industries. I really want to make this a podcast known for going super in-depth on loads of topics that other podcasts are scared to speak about. I feel like most stuff out there these days is just super surface level, super vanilla, and doesn't really answer the questions that viewers and listeners want to hear. So that's what we're trying to do. Keep it real and keep it raw. I'm sure you'll get a huge amount of value listening or watching the pod wherever you are. And if you do, don't forget to subscribe, recommend it to a friend, leave a like and a comment and just let us know what you think. And yeah, really hope you enjoy this episode. Right, we're back with episode 46, I think, of the Midnight Pod. And I was going to say the first ever American guest... I think you're the second American guest because we had Jordan Welch, who's a big YouTuber. I think I've heard of him. You may or may not know. Yeah, a few months ago. You are probably the first guest specifically from Twitter, which kind of became like a Twitter bromance or something. And I went on your pod, The Syndicate, yeah. about a month ago online, which was the first time we properly spoke. And you were a classic case for me of I maybe have a preconceived idea of someone's character on hmm. Twitter and like their brand. Hmm. And then I was pleasantly surprised. I appreciate the that. depth of conversation and just you and you're an intriguing character and then you're in fucking Europe and yeah. you, you seem to be liking Europe is what I've seen yeah man so I've spent I want to say six months no maybe not six maybe four to anywhere from four to five months in Europe in the past year yeah actually so it's been a wild year I've been traveling a lot I, I live full time in LA but I'm not even sure if I can call it full time at this point yeah yeah full time part time but yeah, I have my place in LA, originally from Philadelphia. And for anyone who doesn't know where that is, don't go there. It's not the best place in the world. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, man, I, I've been over here. I kind of fell in love with it. So I have some family over in Italy and I'm kind of just bouncing around, trying to see as much as possible before the, uh, the 90 day visa runs out and I have to pay a fine. So Yeah, exactly. And the first time in London. Yeah. For first time in the UK. Days. Yeah. Three days. And we had to get the pod in. Uh, Matt, I had to come see you. Exactly. Had to exactly. come see you, bro. I think it's gonna be an interesting one. I guess first question is always we're we'll diving into a billion different things. I mean, sure. have a few questions on, on the iPad from Twitter as well. I guess just like your background and story, because you've built and I came across you on Twitter. You've built this personal brand on Twitter, yeah. I think specifically. How long have you been doing that? Was that? I think you said like a year or something on the previous so, show. So I believe actually this week it'll be a year where I actually started to take it seriously. Yeah. This this year maybe. I think it was August 13th or maybe August 12th. It was it was literally legitimately this year, this week actually it might be today that yeah. I've been doing this for a year. It's August 12th today. Yeah. So, so I've I've been doing this for a year and it kind of started as a journal. And I think Twitter is a very interesting case where Twitter is the mind, right? Yeah. Instagram is very vain vanity. What do you have? Mm. Like who are you? How many girls do you have? What kind of car it's do you drive? True. How many followers? How much clout? And I think Twitter is an inter interesting platform because it's not based on vanity metrics, it's based around thoughts. Hmm. And something that's based around thoughts, you actually are able to, I think, develop a deeper connection with somebody because you get to actually see how their mind works. So I, I began to use Twitter as a journal. And I think if somebody was to scroll down all the way on my profile, they'll see like my shit was getting like one like. Yeah. When I was, I was still working in my sales job and I was still doing whatever the hell I was doing and I was actually, I remember I sat on it for about two years, just figuring out, 
you know, seeing people come and go, how, how can I actually grow this platform? And if I ever wanted to grow a Twitter, what exactly would I do? What do I see people doing wrong? And I think that ability to reverse engineer is why I kind of exploded in the way that I did. So it's interesting, man. So I saw guys, you know, shouts out to Ty Frankel because he's actually, and I think I told him this when I did it, when he was on my podcast, but yeah, I saw him posting stuff that just wasn't right. It, it wasn't cor- like necessarily correct. And I saw a couple other guys do that. And then also I saw guys like Dan Fazio, who's a good friend of mine. I saw a couple other guys just build massive, massive brands and build massive companies, whether it was info products or education or you know email marketing agency, lead generation agencies, or even e-commerce, right? And I saw these guys literally document, especially with Marco and, and Colton who built Kill Crew, yeah. right? Like see these guys literally build in real time. And I thought that was incredibly interesting. And when I started in the space, I saw guys talking about sales, right? Sales, how do you sell something? How do you do this? What, what is it that you're doing? Mm. And I found it very interesting because I felt like I could add to the conversation. And I felt like I knew more than the people who were teaching. And it turns out that I did. Yeah. Right? So I got started, man. And I started talking about my experiences in, in college and well, it's university for my European friends. But I started talking about my experiences, man, and it was it was very fun. And I had a great time when I was in, in college and I realized that's where I was going to be. That was kind of my lane, right? Talking to people, throwing parties, enjoying life and like meeting as many people as possible. And I realized I was like, okay, well, if I can convince a pretty girl to come on a date with me, then I can definitely start talking to somebody and get some money. Yeah. Right. So I did um, I did an internship in like insurance and financial advisory sales when I was. 21 for like three months. I got like one client, did like one deal and I thought it wasn't for me. And so then I kind of got into the whole, you know, sales role outbound cold calling thing. And, you know, I did, did all right. And I started talking about it on Twitter. And I think one of the most valuable things, if you're trying to build a brand, especially on Twitter, where it's, it's, there's obviously video content, but you need to be able to articulate yourself in a certain way. I think if you're actually trying to build a brand on Twitter, you need to be able to tell a story. Every good movie, every good book that you remember, it was Mm. an incredible story. And you have to be able to blur the lines between the story that you tell and the actual value and the golden nuggets within that story that people can learn from. Because that's what I think creates impact. And I kind of did this unconsciously because I I thought, you know, I was always going to, I was always creative and I thought I was going to be a writer up until the time I went to college. And then I thought I was going to play guitar and play in a band and and do these, these things. But I've always kind of been a creative and I've always had the ability to weave a story together and kind of throw it right in your face and, and actually be able to have a couple lessons that people can learn from. And I think that's why Twitter kind of became a thing. Yeah. Yeah. Twitter's interesting because I, I didn't even look at it until I guess nearly a year ago actually as well like September 21 when I started the pod yeah because I used to think who the fuck uses Twitter yeah. but then I was like wait a minute like you said it's for the mind instead of just flexing yeah and like yeah just imagery mm-hmm. and everyone's guilty of it on Instagram because it's basically a dating app yeah and it's an element of like granted like storing memories and shit but it's primarily a dating app it's like yeah. a personal visual CV yeah. in this day and age and without it you barely exist yeah exactly funny, this girl that I just mentioned to you before off camera her Instagram account got disabled on Monday right <laughs> out of nowhere so she messages me and says oh can you fix it like my, my life's over all this shit I fixed it but it's like without an Instagram account 
it's almost like you don't fucking exist in the modern world. Yeah. Without social media accounts, but particularly Instagram, I think. Yeah. Like my brand account's got disabled a few times, but if my personal account got disabled, that's a different story. That's yeah. worse. Yeah. And I'm someone that's trying to be less on social media. How come? Less on Instagram. Well, you're I, on I still Instagram. Go back. I see you posting. I see yeah. you on Instagram. I mean, because I feel like it's just bad for the mind. I'm wasting time trying to... What am I actually trying to achieve on there? I guess it is a dating app. And it, uh, trying to build an element of brand around you. But then Twitter's more for that. I think they can be used both in conjunction, actually. It depends on, like you said, what you're trying to achieve. Yeah. Right? Because it's interesting. Like Stuff like um, education info products, like education companies info products... Uh, personal branding stuff, it's all kind of weaved together. It's all integrated together, right? So Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, all of those things can be weaved together. But if you were somebody who's actually doing real things in the business world, and, and not that, you know, obviously we're not, but if you're doing like something where you're doing, you're only selling B2B and you're, you have an agency and you really don't need social media unless social media is a part of how you mm. do your lead gen, yeah. I think you don't really need Instagram unless you want to use it as like a dating app. But I agree with you. I think it causes depression. Yeah. Because comparison is the thief, thief of joy. Seriously. Fundamentally. Dude, if, if it was last year and not, not, not last year, but like maybe two, three years ago, and I see pictures of you riding around in your 458 Ferrari yeah. at like 22 and I'm still sitting there in college, I'm going to be pissed off. I'm going to be mad. I'm like, what, what's, what's this guy doing? He's got a Ferrari. Yeah. What the, like, so I think it causes depression, especially for girls because of all the editing that goes on. Hmm. You got FaceApp, you got Facetune, you got Lightroom. People sell these Lightroom presets. They sell these presets that people can use. And it's just like people will take a picture and they will edit every single little detail to how they actually want to be. And then something in their mind, I think, triggers where it's like, that's how I want to be, but I'm not. And it causes a lot of insecurity. Hmm. I want my lips to be bigger. I want my ass to be fatter. Like, I want to look a little bit better. My eyelashes aren't long enough my hair isn't long enough, my hair doesn't, like, it's these weird psychological things yeah. and it creates a, a falsified self-image. It's very strange. It's a mad one. We live in a strange world. We do. And I want to go back to a bit more of your background in a second, yeah. but I'm like scared for this, this generation and probably the generation a bit younger that are like teenagers, maybe like coming into their teens now. Yeah. Because it's getting worse. There's yeah. like TikTok now. Yeah. Where you're literally glued to a screen. Like attention spans don't exist anymore. People can't focus. The comparison is getting worse and worse and worse because there's more yeah. time on social media. It's yeah. like, where does it end? Like, I think like birth rates are going down and shit now as yeah. well because of something like that. And like testosterone levels of men are going down. These people are fucking glued to a screen all the time. Yeah. And like, there's no real relationships anymore because people don't have any interpersonal skills. Yeah. Which I is think, why I like doing the pod in person. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's like the principle of doing shit in person, not on a screen for once. It's interesting. The, the lack of, we'll get back to my background in a second for sure, but I think the lack of interpersonal skills is what's going to, it's going to continue the way the world is going in a, in a generational decline, right? Because I forget where I heard this, but like, if you think back, like even 30 years ago, before we had all this, even, you know, back in the 1990s, mm. like when we were born, people had to talk to other people. If you called a girl on the phone, she gave you her phone number. She, you called her. You called her house on the phone and say, "Hey, meet me here at here." There wasn't any texting going on, saying, "Hey, like, are you on your way?" Or I'm on my yeah, way. Like, no getting ahead for three days. Yeah, and so it, it's a very interesting situation where you can literally see the lack of interpersonal skills with with younger children and teenagers these days, right? Kids in high school now, 
are walking around with he- walking around the halls with headphones in, sitting there on TikTok in class, mm. and can't focus for more than fifteen seconds. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, like, no wonder why, no wonder why the world is going the way it's going. It's yeah, strange, very strange. Quick one, fellas. You probably heard a few months ago I dropped an e-com course, a very fucking guru of me, but it's not that. I promise you, zero to one, how to start a brand from scratch with no budget, some budget, a bit of budget. Take your idea from a bedroom to reality to potentially seven, eight figures in sales like I've done a few times based on my seven years of experience in the trenches and my current experience building my current brand, Space Goods. It's no bullshit, no frills. We've had like 75 people go through so far. Not a single person has asked for a refund. Plenty of people have actually built some seriously impressive shit. Covers every aspect of the business, not just the front end stuff like most gurus on YouTube and Twitter are talking about, not just product, market, and all that shit, but the real shit, the logistics, the back end, the supply chain, the customer service, the finances as well. This covers the whole spectrum, every part, 12 hours of video. If you're interested in scaling a brand, zero to one, actually turning our idea finally into a reality, then click the link below. Go check out Learn Real Commerce course and let me know what you think. I'd be glad to have you in there. Let's fucking go. It's that fine line between like technology helping us live better lives, yeah. but actually, like, at what point do we just need to go back to like borderline caveman? Like, yeah, you know, it's interesting. And this is the last thing I'll say before we get back to the background. It's interesting, man. I was so I, I just recently I was in Naxos, Greece, with uh, with Luke Mason, um, Ben Bader, uh, Danny, and and some of the Twitter guys, like some of my friends, hmm. and we rented out this villa, and I made it a point. Because usually every single day I have about nine to 10 hours of screen time yeah. on my phone. Like I'm addicted to my phone because most of the things I do, my business is on my phone, right? I'm on calls I'm, or I'm texting people or I'm on, you know, looking at things on Instagram. I'm looking at YouTube. I'm looking at Twitter. I'm seeing what people are doing. And when I was over there, I even like going out, when we were going out to the club. I had every single day, it was less than three hours. And I made it, hey buddy. He's very friendly. And I made it a point to be a lot more present than I have been because I feel like I felt like my, my focus was off. And even though I was kind of like drinking like a fish and I was partying like a rock star, it was very good because when I got out of that, it was like, okay, now it's, now I I have my focus back. It was like very regenerative. (laughs) You can tell him to go away if you want. He always says hello to the guests. He's fine. Distracts everyone for like five minutes. (laughs) You're not allergic, (laughs) are you? So it was, it was really cool. And I realized that when my screen time goes down, I'm a lot happier, but also less things get done. Yeah. Right. I was just riding around on an ATV acting crazy, getting, getting drunk at night, like staying up till late in the morning, but it was great. Mm. And, and honestly, I think people need to go through that for, especially if they're on their phone all the time, because it creates focus and it, and it makes you pay more attention to the things going on around you and the conversations that you're having with people and, and staying present to the moment, which I think is incredibly important. Yeah. So that's something I'm trying to do more, which is why I keep deleting Instagram from my phone. Just being more present in general. I think it's the biggest problem in my life hmm. is not being present. It's always living in the future. What's always next, next, next. So I want yeah. the, the next experience or the next thing. But then like the, the only thing is now. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like now it's like Friday and I'm already thinking about what's happening next week. Well, that's the, probably a poisonous That's the double-edged sword of running a business. Yeah, and then it, it translates into other areas of life, like social life, whatever. Like I, I think about what I'm going to be doing when I'm 30 and shit, and it's like, just fucking live now. Isn't that scary? Thinking about, like, oh, I, like, even, like, I just turned 25 three months ago, and I'm like, oh, like, I'm almost 30, like, shit. Like, yeah, I'm 26, and I feel old. I feel like your grandfather, bro. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, legit. <laughs> no, it is scary. 
I think, yeah, I mean, like trying to read books about stoicism and shit. And it helps a little bit. Is good. Marcus Aurelius is good. Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to meditate as well in general. But even that's tough. Do you think that helps? <sighs> probably, probably. Do. What's he doing with this fucking ball? I might have to get rid of this dog. It helps um, a little bit. I find it difficult because my mind is just moving a thousand miles an hour all the time. Same. Which is like really good and really bad. Mm-hmm. And I was saying this to this girl on a date last night, actually. She's probably not listening to this. Um, <laughs> and yeah, it's like, it's a blessing and a curse, I think. Cause I have a lot of ideas and want to do a lot of things, but at the same time, I can never just switch off. Or, yeah. or not even necessarily to switch off, but like be in the moment doing the one thing. So even when I'm trying to do one thing, I'm thinking about something else. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of the time. So yeah, I think that's probably becoming more and more of a challenge for everyone because of social media and being you know being online all the time. Yeah, it's like a blessing to be able to work online all this shit. But I think it harvests that sort of tendency to just be awake all the time, be on all the time. Yeah, and it's a it's a stressful thing because and and the way that you the way that I mitigate it, I, I honestly don't, and I feel constant like this all the time Mm. and my mind is always racing about everything that needs to go on the future projects but I think you know especially the break that I had where it's just like you feel alive because when I feel like when when we're working when we're on our phone it's very hard to feel alive unless you're making tons of money and you're getting that dopamine hit but when like you're I think when you're really in the moment it's very hard to it's very hard about to think about anything else yeah like say you're you've been running right yeah, a lot. So when you're running and your brain is telling you to stop, but you keep going, you're not thinking about it, right? When you're doing that thing that you're really doing, you're really in it, you're not actually thinking about yeah, it. Yeah, that's that's probably my meditation actually is running. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It's like the only time where there's like enough other stuff going on. Like my body's pumping and like the harder you go, the more meditative it is. Yeah. Yeah, it's the same thing with the else. gym. Yeah, yeah. It's the same thing with the gym. Exactly. But I think if you're not doing things that exhilarate you or push you to the limit i think that you're in a constant state of think of, of being preoccupied of being preoccupied of preoccupation which is an mm. interesting thought and i think most people live lives where they don't ever exhilarate their, themselves they don't ever push they they never get to experience i think i might have saw that on twitter actually but like they don't ever push themselves to the limit of like what's possible like can i actually do this right to the point of failure where they're so in it that they're not thinking about anything else and I think it's a good skill to have too, because you can have 10 things going on with your business, with, you know, fitness, with girls, with your social life and everything. But I think it's important to kind of make a mental note. And this is something that I do all the time. If I'm, if I'm sitting here, right. And like we're, the, we're doing this podcast, like mm. I'm not thinking about what's going on. Right. And I think you have to tell your brain to kind of shut off and kind of flick that switch when you know, something is important or something is it means, it means a lot, right? You're, it's a priority of yours. And so like, you know, I can think back when I was doing some, some like calls with, with some of the guys in, in my community. Right. And it's like, I had so much stuff going on. Hmm. Like they were like, we were building the, the 2.0 version of our product. And like, we're just this, this, mo- this thing, this thing, this thing, this thing. But those 10, 15 minutes that I spent with each of those, each of those people, I listened to what they were, what their problems were, what their questions were. And then I literally like, I made it all about them. 
because I was, and I was directly there. I wasn't sitting there thinking, oh, oh yeah, this guy's talking, kind of like tuning it out. And yeah. I think as people now, especially with this stuff that's going on with the attention span and everything, mm-hmm. I think people have a tendency to, to tune things out for what's going on up here instead of what's going on right in front of them. Oh, so true. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I do it sometimes when I'm recording a pod even. Like I'll be in the pod and I'm still there, but then I'm thinking about something, I don't know, someone said or... I'll probably even do it now a little bit. It's crazy. You guys you guys heard it here first. Matt actually doesn't care. Yeah, I don't care. <laughs> I just fucking come on here and like zone out. It's like therapy for me. Yeah. That's no, cool, it's, man. It's interesting. You got a great setup here. I like it. I think I'm going to have to upgrade the from The 2.0 doing... setup is definitely better. It's it's dope. It's dope. And, and I think I'm going to have to upgrade the uh, from from just doing the just the audio experience to maybe having some video. Yeah, for sure. I mean... Tokyo likes what I'm saying, I think. Yeah, Christ. He's an annoying little dog. Let's go back to your background then for yeah, a minute. Yeah, absolutely. Because we can get into loads of weird and wonderful shit. Prior to the whole Twitter thing, yeah, the pod, your capitalized syndicate, all that stuff, take us back to like 18 maybe, which is like, I guess, graduation age. Yeah. And I'm kicking off in a second. No, I don't want to... I don't wanna- Listen, man, I don't want to be mean to your dog on camera and then people are going to start clipping it on TikTok and say that I abuse animals. He's he's so friendly to every guest. He just sits on the shoulder for like five minutes. Right, he's off. Yes, 18. That was a weird fucking year. I can Mm. curse on this podcast, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, that was a weird year. It was a weird year. I was, uh, so I was born in 1997 and I was born in May of 1997, so... The, the, I think it works the same in the UK, but like there's a, so I was a year, technically supposed to be a year younger than all of my classmates. So all, yeah. when, when everyone was 18, graduating high school, I was seven, I was still 17 or I was 17. And I just, just turned 18 when I graduated high school. Hmm. And I had, high school was a very interesting time for me. And not a lot of people know this cause they kind of just see the final product, right? But like, it was, it was a very, very, very weird time. And I, that's, that would take me three hours to explain. But I'd gone through this, this kind of evolution process of really not knowing what the hell was going on, like in my own life. I was, you know, I just started working out, I think when I was like 14. And I started taking it seriously at 16. And I started playing lacrosse for my European friends. You guys probably don't know what that is. Yeah. It's uh it's the Native American Indian sport and my first year was junior year, my third year when I was sixteen, and then by senior year I made I was captain of the team. And in in high school I went to a school that you had to test into that was a, a feeder school to the University of Pennsylvania, which is a Ivy League in America. Uh, I obviously didn't go there, but we had a lot of really smart kids. A lot of really, 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 really highly intelligent people. And I'd gone through this process of like, I was, you know, I was always good at school and I never had to try. I never studied till for a test or an exam until I was in university, until I was in college. I never even, never once did I study. Hmm. And I had great grades and I was good at school, but I just, what the f- Matt, you got bugs in here. <laughs> it's crazy. So. I clean this to come off. Yeah, so. I had, I'd kind of like started to change the way I dress because I remember just like I would wear like basketball shorts and like baggy t-shirts every day. 
and I was like really, really, really skinny. Mm. Like, dude, like in high school, I was about six foot one and I was about 120 pounds. That's crazy. Up until I was like 16. And then I started working out. I think I graduated high school about 140 and I took like training and like fitness really seriously. Um, got hurt on a, on a snowboarding trip with my school. First time I ever snowboarded. Um, excuse me. But, um, I got hurt and I, and I, I, I think I sprained my back and, and I had a lot of issues in my back. So I wasn't, and then I got obviously lacrosse is a very physical game. So I got hit a couple times and my, my back really wasn't the same. And I was suffering like a lot of like a lot of problems. So I was out half the season with a back injury my mm-hmm. first year. And then the work ethic that I took from school and like, you know, anything I had ever done, I'd put like 150%. I was very obsessed with it. So I'd play and I'd practice, you know, 10 hours a day combined with, with going to the gym. Like I would literally throw the ball at the wall till the lights came off and take shots and run and, and, and train every single day. So that year after my back healed the next year, I was, I was, you know, the, as good as I possibly could have been. Hmm. And it was literally every single day in the summer, every single day at night, every, like I would, I would watch film and I would do everything I possibly could. Um, and I wanted to go to college to play it. The issue was, is I wasn't big enough cause I was under, I was actually underweight even though I was like training and like, you know, trying to eat as much as possible. I was underweight and I'd only played one full year and you get recruited the third year instead of senior year. And, um, I kind of realized it just wasn't going to happen. Hmm. And, um, that's, but I, but I knew I had the work ethic. So I started to get into other things and, and when I'd fall asleep, I'd watch shark tank every night yeah. in high school. Classic. I would listen to Kevin O'Leary to tell people their ideas are shit. Yeah. And I was very obsessed with this idea of entrepreneurship and eventually I became it. It took a while, but eventually I became it. And, um, I got very, very, very interested in, in business and kind of how to start a business. And I started learning like the fundamentals and the summer before I went to college, I taught myself electrical engineering over the summer for fun because, because I wanted to build a solar powered electric heater. So I was very interested. I was like, I was watching like Elon Musk interviews every night. Yeah, I was watching yeah. Shark Tank and I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to revolutionize the world. Like this can be crazy. And then, um, drew out a blueprint for it and realized it already existed. And then I went, then I went off to school and, and actually what's interesting about school is especially in America. So I said, I sent an email to the academic advisor, academic advisor. And I said, I want to be an entrepreneur. What classes do I need to take? <laughs> And you know what they said? Great advice. They said, Entrepreneur, an entrepreneur is a title. We don't teach that here. If you want, I can mark you as undecided. I was like, okay, that works. Yeah. I said, I, I want to do business management. And they said, okay, well, business management is full. I said, okay, well, all right, just put me as undecided. And then I just did undecided random general education courses for like the first two years. And then I decided on, on finance hmm. because I was like, okay, well, at 19, do you know Wall Street Playboys? They, they've since rebranded, but I found this blog called Wall Street Playboys at 19 and it completely changed my life. Completely mm. changed my life. It was like advice on how to get into investment banking. And then I kind of went that route and that's why I chose the finance degree and everything. And it was cool. And I thought I wanted to be a banker. And looking back on it, I think I, I laugh because I went through a bit of a phase like that. Like I, after watching Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah. You watch Wolf of Wall Street when you're when you're in high school and you want to you want to sell stocks. Yeah. You want to be a banker. You want to go into investment banking. So, it was cool, and I did that, and I think I graduated with a two point seven GPA. Like I got straight C's, because mm. by sophomore year I knew I was like I'm probably not going to do banking, and I think I'm probably just going to get into sales, 
because they said you either do banking, you do sales, or, or you're like, that's kind of where your skills are. Like if you're more analytical, banking is good. But if you're more synergistic, then you do sales. Yeah. So that's what I did. That's kind of the backstory. But high school was very interesting, man. It was like, I changed the way I dressed. I started, you know, upgrading the fashion and it started to, and I started working out and it started to give me a lot of confidence. When did you become an entrepreneur then? You said that took a while. Was that like a, did you like quit a job and then go so, into work for yourself or was it more so, gradual? You know, everybody has, not, and I don't want to say everybody, but so many people have their phase where they, they become a drop shipper. Yeah. They start watching, they start watching YouTube and, and they become a drop shipper. They start, you know, they, they download AliExpress and, yeah. and Oberlo and they're ready to go. Yeah. So I, had that phase. I started a couple of those when I was 19 and I was, I remember like talking to like Chinese suppliers and like at this time that I had like 70 bucks, hmm. maybe $70. And I'm talking to this Chinese supplier because uh, the company Movement Watches. I remember they yeah, were they classic. were they were they were straight up. They built a crazy D to C brand off of off of just straight up like Chinese watches. Yeah, legit. And I remember I getting the first ones. like bro, like I remember getting a like a PDF of like what kind of samples they can make, and it literally had the Movement logo on there. I was like, what the fuck? I was like, what? Like this is their supplier. It's like three dollars yeah. for yeah. these two hundred dollar watches, and 100%. so. I learned so, and I started really studying the game, and I learned branding. I learned what, and I, I was obviously into fashion still, and I, I was really like kind of subsequently looking back on it. I was really thinking about like what makes a good brand. What are the elements of of good brands? Why do brands succeed? Right? Mm. What is the marketing behind those? Why are ad, these ads converting in this way? And like, and I was, dude, like I was like, you know, studying like Facebook Facebook ads and everything, and learning how to do it, learning how to do it. And I started like a drop shipping store when I was 19. And I remember my idea was I had $70 and I was gonna order samples from China and I was gonna sell them to my friends for a hundred bucks each. And then I would have $700 and then I could buy another 20 yeah. and then sell them again to my friends and then start selling online. So I was gonna go like straight hustling. Yeah. And obviously for, <laughs> for reasons I don't even think I need to say that didn't work out. Mm. And I actually ended up doing it like straight direct to consumer with, you know, AliExpress products with uh, a friend of mine, Nick, who has a really cool uh, Facebook ads agency for high ticket offers now. And he's, he's quite successful. He's cool. And we kind of started in, in the game of like drop shipping. We were like 19 and 20, it, like just running face, like turning on Facebook ads from the, from the, the dining hall. Yeah. And Classic. at 21, I had another idea and I was selling blue light glasses actually. And because I was studying finance, I decided to use that as like my marketing angle. And one of the biggest companies, and I told this story on Twitter, but I can tell the story. One of the biggest companies in the game is a company called Felix Gray. And I will openly say these guys are losers because I'm like a 20, I'm like a 20, 21 year old kid. I'm like trying to, trying to make a, make a buck online. Mm. And I was running ads and I got a cease and desist letter from yeah. Felix Gray, mm -hmm. inter, like Felix Gray International Limited Company saying that uh, you're, you're infringing on our copyright of our brand story. Mm. And they, they sent me my whole website and like, I was running everything anonymously, bro. Like, I'm just like, I'm like, yo, if I get sued, I'm fucked. Like, yeah. but uh, they slapped me with a cease and desist letter and I knew it was up because up until that point I had spent like, 
I remember I told the school, I was like, yeah, like they sent me like my refund for like my books or something for like one of the student loans. Dude, I had $1,500. I'm like, I'm starting a business. Yeah. I'm doing this thing for real. I'm starting a business. I'm going to be a millionaire. I'm going to get rich. And it was interesting, man. So I started that and it was like three months, four months of like really trying to work on this brand that I had built that did like, it wasn't really doing anything, maybe like $500, $700 a month in sales. And I was mm. spending all, I was like, I was losing money, like running the ads and everything. Yeah. So you know how it goes. So, and then I got the cease and desist letter. And, and at some point in this story, my laptop broke and oh, I had, shit. and I didn't, and it was either continue running advertising or buying a computer. Mm. So I would sneak into the school building after hours at like 10 and I would work till seven and I was up all night and I was up all night and I, I was studying like Jason Capital sales letters. Yeah. I was studying like all like straight up old school copywriting. I'm like, yo, what am I going to do to make these, these ads work? I was like, I know the product sells. These other companies are doing it. What is the issue with me? Right? Why is my stuff not working? And I think when you get into business, right? Like you kind of, what's that curve? I think it's, it's not Dunning-Kruger, but yeah, it's like, it's Dunning-Kruger. It it's, Dunning yeah. it's like you think I ev all the time. Like, dude, you think everything is going to go yeah. the way that it's going to, you're like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be rich. This is my thing. This yeah, is going to yeah, hit. Yeah. Like, yo, this thing's, this shit's going to pop. Mm, right. Been there. And it doesn't pop and you're mm. sitting there with your dick in your hand and you're like, What's going on? Like, why yeah. am I not working? All these guys on YouTube seem to be crushing it. They're making $16,000, 16 grand a day. Yeah. I remember I saw actually, uh, shouts out to Sebastian Georgia. I saw Sebastian's video yeah. Yeah. and he was like, I made 16 grand in a day. And I'm like, man, I want to do this too. <laughs> yeah. And um, I was like, damn, like what, like what is going on? And, and I, the word that I don't want to use is like depression, but dude, that shit was stressful. And on top of that, I had all the schoolwork and I was about to finish and everything and I wanted to get that done. Hmm. So I was, I was overworked and underpaid. Like most people listen, like most people in the world yeah. right now, they're overworked and underpaid. So. 100%. so that was the story, man. And like, that was like kind of, you know, high school and, and university. But I think I really kind of got the itch when I was 19 and I kind of started to put it into action when I was 19. I didn't have really my, I, I guess I can say I had my first business success when I was 19 because of, you know, the party house and throwing parties and charging, you know, $5, $10 a cup and entry and everything. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of how I bought my clothes and, and paid for stuff and bought food. There's a whole lot that I'm kind of leaving out there because it's a very long story. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm still trying to work out because that's when you're 19. Yeah. What about yeah. four years? So in, in terms of the cash flow syndicate then and the stuff you're working on now, when did that start? October of last year. And we started Cashflow Syndicate all first week of October last year. And um, so I, I've done a lot of things, right? So like my kind of foray into e-commerce e was when I was mm. 19, 20. And then like yeah. I kind of ran out of money a couple times and I was like, oh, yeah. well, fuck it, like whatever. I went to go work the, the insurance sales, financial advisory, wealth yeah. management internship at 21. And like I pretty much like I was dead broke, dude. Like I was broke. Like I went to go work at a bar. I was like bar backing for like 80 bucks a night, 13 hour shifts till three, four in the morning every night. Like I was, I, I was like dead broke. But my friend, uh, when I graduated, when I graduated, cause I was like, I want to try this thing again. And I had like pretty much no money. And I called my boy up who was a bodybuilder. And I said, bro, like, you know, I was like, let's, let's start selling fitness programs online. So threw up a Shopify site, figured out, got a plugin to, to send a, an email PDF to someone after they purchased. And, um, we, we started this company that was selling fitness info products to guide to men and women. And then we got into like, you know, t-shirt like apparel and everything. And, 
Um, I think the total sale, I, the total sales, like, I don't even think we're like 10 grand, but it was still something. It was mm-hmm. like, it was more than I had before. And I remember literally like stealing money from my own company to like be able to eat because we were like, we, me and my, 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 my friend agreed. We were like, yo, like, let's keep the money in the, in the business bank yeah. account. Let's not touch it. Let's use it to, to grow the business. And like, I was like, yo, like I need to eat, bro. Like I'm starving. Yeah. And I was like, I was like 20, I was still 21. I was living at, I was living back at my mom's after, after college. And I was just like, yeah, this sucks. So <sighs> spent that summer just kind of like figuring out what I was going to do. And I knew that like, I knew I wanted to try sales again because I didn't think I was going to be good at it because I, I didn't really have much success doing the insurance thing, but like you're pretty much setting appointments for other guys to close the deal. And then maybe they give you a kickback. Mm-hmm. Right. So their whole, the whole business model is let's get a bunch of young, hungry college kids who want to make money and burn them as fast as possible. And those who stay, stay right. It's a very high volume outbound sales job. And one of my best friends, Jason, he ended up getting a job working for a giant company. I'm not going to say the name of the company, but working for a fortune 100 company doing sales. And I call him on the phone and it's like the beginning of August. I said like, yo, Jace, like how much did you make? And he's like, yeah, I think I'm going to make $4,000 this month. And I was like, what? $4,000? Like that's insane. And he's like, yeah. And I said, can you get me an interview? And the next month I got an interview and I was still, obviously I was still doing like the, you know, the online like fitness program thing at the time I was making a little bit of money. I was making like a couple hundred dollars or like a week mm. and get this interview. I remember I had to wake up at I think five o'clock in the morning, got dressed. I took a bus to the, to the, the tube, the, the subway, the, yeah. the tube, um, to a train to, and then took the train for two hours. And then finally I got to where I needed to be. And, uh, I went to the office and my friend picked me up. It was like 12, it was like eight, eight, nine in the morning. And I went in for the interview, went into the interview and I crushed it. And at the end of the interview, I said, Hey, yeah, like my friend, he, he works here. He's in your, your outbound sales department. And they said, what? We didn't even know that. Why didn't you tell Why did why didn't they tell us that? And so I got the job the next day. Crazy. And, uh, that was hard, man. Like that, it was, it was a lot. And I went through so many different phases where I didn't think I was going to be good, especially for like the first three months. Like I thought I sucked. Everyone was kind of like running laps around me. And this is something like that a lot of, I'm looking at the camera, like there's something a lot of salespeople don't talk about. And it's when you first get started, like when you first get started in sales, I'm going to say this a little bit bombastically. You have to understand that there is a learning curve. There's absolutely a learning curve in anything that you do, whether it's e-commerce, business, fitness, whatever it is, you think you're not, you're going to think you're going to crush it. I was like, yeah, I'm going to come in. I'm going to make 20 grand a month. I'm going to hustle 200 calls a day. Yeah, everything's going to go great. I'm going to be the best at this. I watched Jordan Belfort's sales uh, sales mm-hmm. program. I, I remember torrenting it off the internet. And I was like, okay, I got the skills. Now I'm ready to go. I was in for a rude fucking awakening. And first month, didn't even hit, didn't hit my sales goal. I, I missed the sales goal by, I think, like a couple deals. Second month, I missed the sales goal by a couple deals. Third month, I remember it was December, I hit the sales goal. And I remember being sick for two weeks in December and I'd like strep throat the entire time and I was like sick. I was like, but I still came into work and it was mm-hmm. an hour commute each way. Right. And so my total work time is like, and I would stay late. I would get, get in there like, you know, half hour, 15 minutes early, check my email and everything, stay late. But I remember my paycheck from that month from December and I, and I, I, I beat the, uh, you know, beat sales goal. And I was just like, wow, like, okay, it's possible. And that was the moment that it clicked 
And I remember we had a spreadsheet and it was like commission calculator, like, and you type in all your numbers, you know, what's your sales goal? How many deals did you, how many deals did you sell? You know, what was your, your, your phone call quality, your compliance quality? And it said, um, total payout, it was like 13 and a half grand. Hmm. And then, um, I was just like, man, like what? Yeah. It's a big bump. Because I was just getting like my hourly, like I was like, you know, it was like two, three grand a month. And like, I like, but literally like that month where I had hit the sales goal, I had got a, I'd got, I'd gotten like a $35,000 car, the car that I still have to this day and like a decent apartment in Philly, which was like two grand. Hmm. And I was splitting the rent with my my ex-girlfriend at the time. And I obviously had the car payments, my living expenses. Like I was like barely making enough for my living expenses, like the first two months. And I'd like really put my back against the wall. And I think that's something everyone needs to do Mm, to a certain degree, like really put your back against the wall. And I remember like I put the down payment on the place, you know, put the, you know, the car and everything. I had like 500 bucks left for the Mm. month, for a couple weeks. I'm like, I don't know. I don't know what's about to happen here. So put my back up against the wall. And then that's why I, I hustled as hard as I did. And it was like 13 K payout. Sick. I was like, yeah. Oh shit. I remember I looked at my, I, I genuinely remember this day. It was at the end of January because the commissions fell on the end of the month. And I'm like, fuck, like I looked at my bank. I had like 11 and a half grand in there. And I was like, man, I am rich. Yeah. And now that's, now things are a lot different. That doesn't even probably cover half of my, my expenses per month at this point. But yeah. Um, so that's kind of the story. And, and every single day it was, you know, until I, I moved closer to, to make my commute shorter, it was, you know, an hour up, wake up at 6.30, get there at, uh, you know, depending on traffic, how it was, it was like get there at 8.30, work until, work until 6, 7 o'clock at night. It was 9 to 6 every single day. No one took a lunch. There was a culture of, of no one taking a lunch. And, it mm. actually, and I actually liked it because it, it forced you to sit your ass in the seat and work. It forced you to pay attention. And it forced you to, to really, when you're doing something, to really be in it. And I already had the work ethic and I knew I was going to be, I, I knew at some point something would click. And I had some really, really, really good mentors there. My sales manager was, it was so not my, not my first manager, but the one who was above her was honestly, I think one of the best salespeople I've ever met my entire life. I think he could outsell. He he could sell ice to the Eskimos in in during the ice Sun age. To the Arabs, he was nice. he he could sell oil to the Saudis, bro. Yeah, like he honestly, and I and I want to try to get him on my podcast. I don't know if he's going to see this, but he was I think the driving factor, and I still thank him to this day. I, te- I texted him a couple months ago, and I just thanked him for everything. I was like, you know, I just gave him an update, and he literally. I remember we used to have like our one on one coachings, and like he, I think, was the driving force behind all of my success. And obviously, I made it happen for myself, but the things that I learned, the tactical ability, the tonality, the way that you you speak to people, and everything like that, and I heard him, you know, take some calls for me, like you know, if I was having trouble closing a deal with a customer, and I was like, whoa, and then I started to replicate it, and that's kind of where everything came from. So it was a good time. It's something it's it's actually the best time I've ever had that I would never do again. Yeah, it's interesting. So it's an inter- It's been an interesting journey. Yeah, a lot of that I didn't know about, particularly the e-com stuff. That's why I don't think we covered that on your pod. Mm. I guess I, it was about I think me, we ran out of time. Yeah, that was like two and a half hours. So bring us up to today then. Yeah. I guess there's a bunch of chapters. I like to go yeah. chronologically. So during, um, I think I'm going to leave that part out, but I, I did have a little bit of a, of a side career while I was still at the, at the, the sales job. 
um, I was still hustling and I, and I kind of quit the, the fitness business. I, I went into something else, um, turned over a lot of money. And then I realized I was like, you know what? I, I don't want to, I want to own a hundred percent of, of the thing, the thing that I'm doing. And I knew that I was, I was competent at sales. I knew that I was good. And I knew that if I put in the same level of effort to building my own shit that I am at, at my job, I knew that I could build something. And I was, I believe it was, I had the idea, I think in October, 2020, but I was already doing like some other things and I was kind of caught up, but uh, I had the idea and I was like, okay, well, I, I know how to do e-commerce. I know how to do email marketing. I know how to, I know how this stuff works. Mm. If I can sell this service and figure out how to do it after I can sell the customer and figure out how to do it. And if I can deliver results, I'll offer hundred percent money back guarantee refund for anybody that I work with. And I'll be like, okay, well, so I, I started out in, in, in email and I had like a little bit of an agency and I got a client here, a client there. And like, it wasn't anything like crazy. I wasn't going full time with it because I was working a full time job mm. and I was doing the other thing on the side. And I was like, okay, well I know that this is possible. Um, and so I moved out to California last year in February and March with my best friend who's a music producer. Shouts out to Jack. Love you, brother. And, um, I moved out there and, and I kind of built the infrastructure for everything. I learned, I learned how to do like marketing and I learned, you know, I, I, I watched pretty much how everyone was moving on Twitter. And this is when I really started to, to, to dive deep into Twitter and how Twitter worked and how social media worked and how to cultivate attention, how to use different words and structure different ideas in a certain way to get attention. And, uh, I knew that it could have been a possibility. And I taught myself so much stuff, just locked in this apartment for 40 um, something days, 50 days. Moved back to uh, to Philly for two months. Absolutely crushed it. I had a month. I think I made thirty two grand across the sales job and some some crypto trading and stock trading. And I, I saw this video from a guy named Christian LeBlanc who has a travel a travel yeah, channel. Yeah, I know. And it was like, and the video was about. He said, if if it was my last day on earth, this would be my message. And he's talking about how during this entire time, like he was like working this accounting job and he was depressed and and he didn't like it. And I was I was so over what I was doing, man. Like I was so over it and I didn't like it anymore. I didn't feel fulfilled because once you start, like once when you're dead broke and you start making money, you start to feel fulfilled by the money. But at a certain point, the money doesn't fulfill you anymore. It doesn't hit the same as it used to. Yeah. So that's very topical. Seriously. And it doesn't hit the same that it used to. So I'm like, fuck, like, all right, like, and I had, and I had money. And I had saved up because my living expenses were so low and I was making a lot of money. I remember hearing Christian LeBlanc in this video talking about I had $2,000 saved up and I went to and I booked my ticket to you Thailand. On the po- yeah, I and I this. booked my ticket to Thailand and I lived in, and, I, and I built my business on two grand. I'm looking at, I checked the accounts. Hmm. And I'm like, bro, this guy moved to Thailand on two grand. I'm like, yo, I got 120 in here and I'm feeling like I'm fucking broke. So, and I, and I had it, it was like completely liquid. It was like sitting in, it was like sitting across like a, a, a liquid stock account that was just my company stock that they paid out to me because I mm. contributed to the plan. And, and then it was like, it was, it was just a ton of, ton of cash, just literally sitting in my, in my checking account. And I'm like, yo, like I'm not happy. And I really struggled with my happiness. I felt completely unfulfilled and the money wasn't, and I was like, yeah, like money, money, money. Like, oh yeah, I want to get rich. And then I kind of realized like making a bot, like, you know, making like, 150k a year wasn't doing it for me 
Mm. And I never thought I would hit that because when I was in, when I was 19, I, I remember I wrote down in a journal what I wanted by the time I was 22. And I had all this stuff by like 22, 23. Yeah. I wanted like a, a nice apartment with with mahogany floors and I wanted floor to ceiling windows and I wanted a nice car and I wanted like, you know, I wanted a pretty girl and I got all of it and it took me like six months to achieve. And I was like, where do I go from here? Yeah. And I was completely unhappy, dude. So I'm like, fuck, like I need to do something. So I broke up with a girl in, in February of that, of 2020. And then uh, I, moved, I moved to LA two months, chilled with my boy because I needed my friend because I was just like, yo, dude, I'm going through it. Yeah. And, um, bro, I actually went to, uh, I, I quit the job June 18th of 2021. So it's, it was my one year anniversary a couple months ago. Yeah. And it, it's that it's been a wild fucking year. And I kind of just made the decision. I'm like, dude, I got, I got a couple of years of living expenses in, in the bank account. I'm like, I don't fucking care. Mm. I'm like, yeah, like what's the worst that can happen? I go back to Philly and I figure out my next plan with years of sales sales ability and tens of millions of dollars under my belt and revenue generation like what's the worst that could possibly happen to me i go go to mercedes-benz i make 200k yeah start slinging cars start slinging g-wagons exactly so like and and that's that was my thought process so i kind of realized i'm like fuck dude like at the end of the day like you have to you have to do what you have to do kind of what your heart wants you to do at a certain point things the things that you wanted becomes become the things you hate yeah, that's very true. <laughs> and so I needed some time to think. And I, I called. And actually, the turning point when I realized I was going to quit the job. So after I had that monster month, and it was April, by it, that May, that was when all the money hit. And I was dead sick, like strep throat for 20 something days, 30 days out of the month. Could, I couldn't work. Like I, li- I couldn't, like I could, I let it. So I let it sit for like a week and a half and I didn't get medicine for it. And it was like, bro, I couldn't speak. Hmm. and had like a fever and, and I was just like and I thought that it was the universe telling me that it's time to do something else because sometimes life hit, sometimes life hits you in, in strange ways it'll, it'll tell you you know this is not the right thing for you you're not doing the right thing or, or you know it's time to make a change yeah, and I'm like well my, my entire livelihood relies on my ability to speak and my ability to talk to people and it's and and the world, the universe, whatever powers that may be, have taken that away from me. Maybe it's time to do something different. Then uh, there was some stuff that went on in the company. We had, we got a new sales director, and then they cut commission by like seventy five percent. So even so, if you sold like two million two million dollars in revenue, you were getting paid like three grand instead mm-hmm. of like ten, twelve, fifteen, whatever the fuck it was. So. They cut commission and then they were like, okay, well, yeah, you're going to have to work these cold leads that haven't been called in three years and, and try to and, and sell them product and we're not going to change the sales quota and just guys just got to live with it. So I'm like, yeah, fuck it. I'm out. So quit. And then um, that was on a Friday. And then that next Thursday, I was on a flight to Mykonos. Good place to go. Good place to go. So I, And then I spent two and a half months over here just trolling around Europe. I think I went to five different countries and... Just had a fucking blast, and I I spared quite literally no expense, and I, I I blew through like thirty grand in like two and a half months, like and in the grand scheme of things, like on like lifestyle, just like living and like partying mm-hmm. and having a good time, like it's honestly not that that much, based on like what I was doing. But like we went to Croatia, we went to Greece. Um, I lived in Naxos for a month, which is why I brought, brought all my friends there. Yes, yeah, uh, went to Prague, went to Czech Republic, uh, Italy, and uh, had a great time. 
and I re- and I really showed myself and I felt like I owed it to myself to see what life would look like when money is not an option. When you live when you're completely free, you have nobody breathing down your neck, you have no manager telling you that you need to be doing something. There's you're completely responsible and accountable for yourself and you're a free man. Mm. And that's what that taught me because I'd never experienced life to that degree because there was always, I was always like, oh, I got to get paid. Most people never will. And most people never will. Exactly. I think it's definitely an interesting perspective when what you said before about most people, when they start, they're driven by, they want to get a few materialistic things. They're driven by money. And then, you know, a percentage of people achieve that. And usually it's, you know, the car, the way you live, whatever. Yeah. Kind of very clear goals that can be ticked off, you know, less like, they're not like spiritual goals, whatever. They're just like, I want that car, you know, I get it. And and then you realize, oh, fuck. Yeah. That doesn't actually make me happy. And then you experience the other side of it of like the physical freedom, time freedom, being able to travel, which I've done loads of over the years. Yeah. And then even that, like I've had a bit of a dilemma recently around like, I was in Mykonos mm-hmm. and I was like, I'm not even enjoying being here. How come? Because it just felt like another trip. It, it lost this, the <laughs> element of being special. Yeah. And then it's like with anything, if you do it a lot of times, it, it, I think Dan Bozerian speaks about it on a, a much higher level. Like yep. if you live in the hundred million pound house every day, then it's no longer special. No. So when I first moved to London and lived in this flat over there, which is actually like the sickest flat ever, better than this one, but I remember for like the first month it was so sick. Yeah. And then it got less and less exciting and special after that. And then it was like, oh, the bar's now higher. So now anywhere else is not as cool and doesn't even have the ability to make me excited. Yeah. So it's like, it's kind of dangerous. You have to like... You have to leave something to pursue, whether it's experiential or physical or, or like materialistic. But then I think what it comes down to is that ultimately the things that actually fulfill you are like people and relationships. And granted, like yeah. money and freedom, of course, helps. But like even just like conversations and shit. Yeah. I don't know. This is what I'm really trying to figure out. Yeah. Because I'm having like a quarter life crisis. Uh, I think you're all, I think you're going to be okay. I think you've got very good friends. Me and me included, but I think you're, I think you'll be all right. But it's like, you know, to your point, it's like, it's like driving a Ferrari and then downgrading to the bus. Yeah. Like now, now you were, you were driving a Ferrari and now you're taking a bus. So you have to kind of manage the, and it's like, <clears throat> I think Dan Bilzerian said it, said it great. He said, yeah, I was at a 10 when I bought the new Ferrari, but then, you know, you drive it every day and now it's like, I got to go buy a new one to get to that same level of happiness. Yeah, and then suddenly you have to have a Bugatti to be at a 10. And then like, where'd you go from there? Do you know what I mean? And it's like, it, it's it's this constant struggle of always finding a new mountain to climb. But when the mountain gets really big, you have to continue doing it. It's interesting. But honestly, like, I've traveled a lot in the past year. I think I've flown about 60 times, 70 times in the past year. Hmm. Maybe I'm exaggerating a bit. I think on I think I put it out on Twitter. I think it was like 43 or 48. Yeah, it's a lot. Though. It's 12 months, bro. That's like one a week. Yeah, that's like one a week. So, especially like when you're not home, or you don't feel like a place is home, it feels like another trip, right? Or actually, I think you guys in Europe are kind of spoiled. Well, I guess I can't call the UK Europe anymore. 
Yeah, but true. I, I think you guys over on this side yeah. of the pond are very spoiled because you have everything within two to three hours of each other. That's why I said it's, it's a quick flight to Miami. Yeah. So I think the thing that's very important, it's very interesting to me is like as an American, when I was coming over, it's like you, you got to get ready. You take like an 11 hour, it's like an 11 hour international flight. You get in this airport, but then you have to go somewhere else. So it's like this whole kind of experience. It's like, mm. dude, you can go down to Heathrow or go over to Stansted or Gatwick or Luton and just, all right, I'm in Mykonos in two hours, direct flight, or I'm in, I'm in Ibiza yeah. or Ibiza for you, yeah. for you UK guys. But it's like, it's, it's like, it's very interesting because if I live there, that's one of the reasons I want to live over here is because everything that I, everywhere that I want to go and most places are within three hours, four hours, Dubai is five hours. I'm used to that flight, Philly to LA. Six, it's six hours. I'm used, I'm used to that. So there's so much more I think to do because of the, the melting pot of cultures that exist. Whereas in America, it's like my cousin who's like 60 years old said it best. He's like, if you go over to the next town in Italy, the compute, the, the total, the food is completely different. The dialect, the food, everything is completely different. You go to America, you go to San Francisco, you get a burger, you go to New, New York. What do you get is like a burger and it's the same thing. Mm. It's the androgy- androgyny. Yeah. It's, is that the right word? You may have been here full time then. I'm working on it, bro. I'm working on it. I'm working on the uh, Italian passport by yeah. descent. So I'm working on that. I got to get some documents, some more documents together. It's the whole residency citizenship thing is a headache. But um, yeah, either that or, or, or Prague. But I do like London. I don't know. I think London's the one. Atlanta. Overall, particularly in the summer, it's very good in summer. Very yeah. good weather, a good blend of things. It gets a lot of hate on Twitter, but it does get a lot of hate on Twitter from people that have only ever stayed in like Brixton, which is like <laughs> yeah, everyone has been making jokes. Everyone has, I've been hanging out with has been making jokes about Brixton. Yeah, what's wrong with Brixton? It's just rough. <sighs> yeah, I can't say I hang out there much, but mm. clearly. So yeah, so I, I came over here, man. It's just like, and it's a very long story to tell, which is like why I try to like skip parts and like avoid telling the story. It's just like, it's because it's very easy to just, it's very short and to the point and succinct to just kind of mm. show the final product. But yeah, I came over here and I, and I lived like money was not an option. I blew through like 30 racks and um, I went back to America and I started, uh, I was like, yeah, I guess I'm going to do the, the email thing full time. And I started doing that. And then Actually, I started building the Twitter because my friend Ricardo gave me a random shout out. I got like 500 followers overnight on Twitter. Hmm. And I was like, all right, what? And then by the time I had come back from Europe, I had a thousand. And yeah. I was like, what? I had like a thread pop. My first real like thread, like how I made a hundred, my, how I, how I made my first hundred thousand dollars selling red cups, right? Which is about the story of me throwing parties in college. And even though we only made like 10, 20 grand in like the whole time, hmm. it gave me the skills yeah. to learn to figure out like it gave me all the necessary things to like learn how to get into sales and like learn how to talk to people and how to say yes how to say no how to let people like and so the same skills that you use when you're you're running the door at a, at a club or a party are the same that you use to talk to customers and clients and and talk and call people over the phone and pitch people hey come to my party hey do this whatever so it, it was got like five 300 400 likes or something and then i was like oh shit i got something here and I got followed by like all the big, like all of the guys that like I'm now friends with, like all of the big accounts. And I'm like, oh, I, I guess something popped off. Mm. So that was cool. But, and then I kind of realized Twitter was going to be a thing. And then I, when I moved out to, I had already gotten a, an apartment in LA and I moved out with my, my best friend and I got, uh, I put my mattress on the floor and I had a folding chair and a desk and I built everything that I have now. 
Sick. So that's kind of that's kind of the story. That's that's up to speed, and then we built Cashflow Syndicate because Twitter Spaces are where I kind of really develop. I, I love I love the the live format, and that's why I like doing podcasts so much. Is because the live format of when you're able to kind of tell a story and answer questions and, and convey your personality, yeah, directly with somebody like in per almost as as close to in person as you can get in that live format. I think it's a beautiful thing. And I think it builds so much of your reputation. And for anyone who wants to build a brand, make sure you are talking to the people that are following you, the people that are engaging with you in some sort of live format where they can actually get to know you and they can hear you speak. Because it's very easy, I think, especially with video editing, to record something and make it sound good or make it look good. But if you're on the fly and they're talking to you on the phone, it's a lot different than cutting up a video and making it look pretty. Hmm. So that's how I built kind of that that really tight-knit follow like initial group of followers and um then we realized that we were doing it for like a week two weeks and i had this idea i got all the the email the guys i knew who did like email marketing and like a group chat i was like hey like we should share ideas and i was like hey we should make a group that we should charge for this and then like i realized i didn't want to split it eight ways and i i called the best person that i knew who i knew was doing it and i called mason and then cashflow syndicate was born sick so what the fuck is this? Space Goods, spacegoods.com, Rainbow Dust version one, my newest entrepreneurial econ brand venture. I spent six months in the trenches building this shit from scratch. We launched six weeks ago. What's it all about? The next generation wellness brand with a long-term vision to essentially consumerize the pending psychedelic consumer goods market, which might sound absolutely ridiculous. We're not quite there yet. The market's massively illegal. But what is this? Rainbow Dust version one is an all-in-one mushroom and adaptogenic blend designed to unlock your supernatural self. Essentially, experience a sharper focus, sustained energy, zen-like calm throughout the day. It's an all-in-one powder. Tastes like fucking hot chocolate. Tastes delicious. Works great. Looks great. Feels amazing. Essentially, the broader concept here was to legally imitate a psychedelic microdose and, like I said, experience those symptoms. You can mix it with anything, brownies, baked brownies with it, mix it with your coffee, have it without coffee, replace your coffee, put it into a protein shake. It's super fucking versatile. It tastes great. It replaced the stack of supplements I was previously taking, but you need to try this shit. It would definitely change the way you work, get you into that deep workflow. I obviously think that myself, plenty of our thousand plus first customers think the exact same shit. It's not just a pretty packaging, it actually works really fucking well. Keto, vegan, all that good shit. Trust me, you need to try it for yourself. Let's scale the shit to the moon. Spacegoods.com. Get on your Rainbow Dust subscription and see how you fucking feel. Let's do it for the boys. Spacegoods.com. Right, so we spent an hour on the on the story up to now. Yeah. Which is good. Just bring that mic in a little bit more. Uh, which way? This one? Like, yeah, like pull it towards you. That's fine. It's probably fine. Yeah. Most people give me like 15 minutes of a story, but I feel like we could probably have gone fucking two hours on the story itself. Yeah, that's my problem, bro. People say I talk too much. It's good, though. I think Jordan Peterson says the ability to articulate yourself is a superpower. I yeah. think most people can't do it, and I, I've certainly got better at it as a result of having these... I've probably done like 200 hours of conversations with people now just off the pod. Something like that. Yeah. Maybe like 150. Yeah. And yeah, it's a fucking skill that most people don't have. You need to train it. That's yeah. actually something really interesting. If you want to become a better speaker, I think you absolutely need to train it. You have to make it a point. I remember the first podcast I did, Ben, who's a friend of mine now, he said, I find it very interesting that you rarely stutter. And I've said um a few times on this true. podcast and I rarely stutter. You also because have that deep stage voice 
I don't know if that's that. trained or what, but I just... No, 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 that's not, that's not trained. I'm just a little dehydrated, I think. Yeah, fuck. I've been complaining about being dehydrated for like the past like <laughs> week. It's from all the pasta and bread in Italy. Yeah. But if you do want to become a speaker and you want to have a stronger oratory ability than you currently do, you have to absolutely practice it. You have to make a mental note to not say, um, I say like a lot. I say, you know. I'm going to start thinking about that on my own voice now yeah and, and a lot of the times and because actually we have the video here it's interesting you'll see me pause like like i did just now to have my brain articulate the thought and actually it's interesting when you're selling and you pause what happens people are hooked right and and just it's it's a lot to do with tonality and and pauses and the way that you're able to articulate yourself and there's a lot of nuance in it once you actually start to get really good and there are people that are genuinely master communicators that, that you can see on the internet but I always I, and I love the podcast format because I'm able to practice that in real time all of the time whenever I'm in a conversation with somebody I always practice my ability to speak my ability to captivate and your ability to captivate attention is an absolutely incredibly strong skill to have and it's very important because if you can capture attention now in this online economy where there's so much content being created and people aren't aware of the things that they're saying or the things they're doing, like we're guys, like we're not pretty girls with big butts and, and mm. giant cities. Like it's going to take us some work to actually cultivate the attention. We actually have to put the work in and become someone. You have to be a person worth listening to. A way that you can be a person worth listening to, like there's guys that are great at communicating and they literally say nothing. There are podcasts that have millions and millions of views they get a ton of views and they literally say nothing and i think conversations there's there's ways that conversations can go right there's so many different threads there's so many ways to revise a question or make an assumption about the way a conversation is going to go and actually it allows you to get new information out of the person that you're talking to and actually something that i realized that i did and actually mason is someone that pointed this out to me is he said, David, on your show, the way that you tell, you tell stories and then you ask a question afterwards. So I'll tell us, and I realize that I do this in real time, but it's like, and now I'm a little bit more aware of it, but I'll tell a story about my own experience. I'll be like, have you ever had anything like that happen to you? And what it causes is a relationary integration of the conversation, right? Because you're telling a story, but you also get the other person to pay attention and start to think. You know, has it ever happened to me? Or like, no, well, I had a similar experience with this. And actually, it allows you to get more information out of, and, and a better, have a better conversation with the person you're talking to. Mm. Instead of like, there's a million people that you can listen to interviews with and they say the same exact thing. Right. But the reason I, I started doing the podcast, because I wanted to meet people, of course, like you, mm. where we can talk about things you're not usually going to talk about. Yeah. That's the whole reason I did it, because I was so fucking sick and tired of listening to interviews that I heard, okay, I already heard the story before I'm turning this off. Yeah. Because I think you can learn something from everybody. And the more body of work that you have about different topics, about all of the things that you do, the easier actually it is, and you can relate this to a personal brand as well, the easier it is to capture different demographics. And once you have a follower or a customer, especially with social media, once you have somebody that follows you for one thing, it's a giant flywheel and you can, if you're good enough, you can make that person, you know, if they follow you for, let's say Matt, they follow you for e-commerce, but they like, you know, your Instagram picture, they, they end up following you on Instagram and then they might buy space goods, hmm. right? And then they might 
listen to your podcast or somebody that listens to your podcast, listens to you and likes your podcast might buy your product. So the more things that you know and the more artic- the more that you can articulate those thoughts and those ideas and also have the oratory ability to captivate and capture the attention, what happens is you create a giant perpetual motion machine for whatever that you want to build. And it's very intentional. Everything I do is very intentional. And actually, my best friend, like I said, the one I live with, he is uh, an A&R at a record label. And also, he's a music producer. And he just had a song go number one on YouTube a couple weeks ago. The NBA Youngboy song. But he says, you know, he's like, I wish any... I remember we were, we were going for a ride and we were like near the Hollywood Hills. And he was talking to me. He's like, man, he's like, I wish I could just sign you. And I started laughing. I'm like, well, what do you mean? And he said... He said, you have the vision that we look for in artists with their music, because when an artist wants to get signed, a lot of them don't have the vision or the plan of what the next five, 10 years are going to look like for their career. Me, I knew that I would have every, like, as soon as I saw one thing pop, as soon as I saw Twitter pop, I knew exactly what I was going to do. I said, what are the eight to 10 things that I know best about? Can I condense those into, can I, how can I share that information? How can I create a format where I can deliver that information to as many people as possible. That's the reason why I rarely actually promote things anymore on my, on my social media. Why I actually, I rarely sell anymore here and there. I'll be like, Oh, come buy this. I'm doing this. But I think it's based off the mind. And, and if people like you and they like your brand, I think they eventually down the line, they're going to become a customer. Mm. Um, I think actively promoting and actively marketing, like marketing, 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 like buy my course, buy my course, buy my course, buy mm. my course it starts to stale out your audience and then they're going to look at you and just be like, yeah, all this guy wants to do is sell shit to me. He doesn't value me as a person. He doesn't value me as a customer. He doesn't yeah. value, he doesn't value, like he doesn't value me. He doesn't even care. And if people went through life showing others that they care, the world would be a much better place. But the tragedy is, is that most people these days don't give a fuck about anybody else. Hmm. And it's because all they want to do is figure out what the other person can offer them and take, take, take and never give anything back. And so I write my tweets and I do all the things that I do. I do, you know, do the podcast and I do, you know, I'm sitting here with you, my friend, and I'm doing all this for the 18 year old version of me who didn't know what the fuck was going on. Like I said, I didn't know what I was going on earlier in this podcast. I had no clue what direction I wanted to go. I had no guidance. I had no mentors. And so half of it is just to give back. Obviously, you know, like you want to get paid and you want to make money and you want to build a business, you want to build a brand. And now I have a brand and I I kind of, I love it, but also I have to be more filtered with the things I say because of the audience that I have now. Right. So it's cool. And obviously, you know, I built a, I built an incredible business and I've love actually genuinely love helping, like helping the people that I help and coaching, doing all the things that I do. But really, like, I started it out of, like, I just want to give back. And I wish I had somebody to look at like me, who was exactly like me, who came from what I've come from and, you know, grew up pretty much poor and made something of themselves and had it hard and made it out. And that's that's kind of a big reason why I do the things I do, because I think life is generally about being a good person. Hmm. And it's it's about being a good person. It's being a good friend, a good partner, a good a good lover, a, a good a shoulder to a shoulder to cry on for, for your friends when they need you. It's about spending time with your friends and building relationships. And it's about the people. 
everything business is relation based on relationships everything in life is based on relationships and yeah we would not have anything without other people very true and you can make money you can get with a lot of girls you can live a crazy life but there's there's been so many guys especially with like the internet space right the whole red pill kind of space it's like yeah i want to speak about it absolutely the whole red pill space is fucked now hmm. and there's actually a couple guys a couple guys who are really doing it well and I really like actually I don't know he'll probably not see this but I really like Justin Waller what he's doing hmm. very very interesting guy very very cool cool thought process and very very strong mentality and he's bringing back the he's changing I think he's and because he's he's growing in the way that he is he's he's changing the landscape of the space from these anonymous Twitter accounts that are so that are very misogynistic and yeah. sexist and yeah. actually genuinely horrible but it's about being good to people. And I think if you're good to people, you're going to get good things back. Sure, sometimes you might take be taken advantage of, but you talked about Jordan Peterson earlier. It's good to be a monster with teeth, but not use them. Yeah, exactly. It's it's good to have that side, and it's good to be able to go to war and win. You're a dangerous man that's involuntarily, yes. has it under voluntary control, I think it's the term. Voluntary control. Yeah, that's the best way to be. Do, do you think so many areas want to go into? Do, do you think you're... Twitter brand and persona is the true you or is it a filtered and targeted version to appeal to certain people? Because when I first came across you, I, probably like a lot of accounts on Twitter, I just thought this is some guy tweeting like, I probably didn't see all your stuff of course, but like tweeting platitudes and, you know, trying to be this G character. Yeah. Just flashing the cash, whatever, X, Y, Z. And you didn't show your face for a while on Twitter. Yeah, well. I didn't show my face for a while because I I didn't want, and I actually really had a lot of apprehension about going on video and like mm-hmm. you know, even like when I first started Twitter, I just went by D, right? Yeah. And like I had an anonymous picture with laser eyes. With, it was a t- picture from 2017, yeah, and my yeah. abs out like this with a backwards hat on and laser eyes, right? Yeah. That, that I took in college, but. I had a lot of apprehension because I didn't want my thoughts to be associated with my face. I didn't want people to like me for the way or, you know, the way either yeah, I looked or true. I didn't want people to judge me based on that. I wanted people to judge me solely on my thoughts and the things that I was putting out there. Now, you're going to see and you know this because you, you, you know a lot of people who are in social media and everything. Like, I'm sure, like, people on Twitter think I'm some, like, totally bombastic character screaming all the time, telling people to get fucked and, like, just whatever, whatever the hell I say. But, like, listen, one of the things I understand very well is the ability to use language. Anyone who wants wants to write a vibe, which camera do I look into, Matt? Anyone who wants, I'll I'll look, I'll look right here. I'll look to this one. Oh, this one, yeah. Anyone who wants to write a viral tweet, all you have to do is subtly attack a group of people who are very easily offended <laughs> yeah or not only attack and actually jk melina is somebody who told me this jk melina has like a hundred something thousand hundred twenty thousand twitter followers now but jk melina said you either so and it's the same thing in sales you're either motivated by pleasure or pain hmm. and you can attack a certain group of people or you can identify with a group of people and you what you do is you remove the nuance from these you remove the nuance and you let people's brains associate and construe their own thought processes with the things that you say. Hmm. I put out a tweet the other day. I'm in Italy. I'm chilling with my family. We took two hours. It was a two-hour drive into the mountains. We're in, we're in Maella. If, you, if anyone's ever been there, it's a beautiful place. Beautiful views. 
and we're in, a, a, we're in uh, Vasto Girardi. It's a town in the mountains, and we're in a restaurant. And it's 4 p.m., and everyone's smoking. Everyone, it's seven courses of food. It's 4 p.m., and we're like six bottles of wine deep, and there's like eight people around the table. And I put a tweet out, and I said, I'm on top of a mountain in Italy. I'm seven courses of food deep. There's the pack of cigarettes and six bottles of excuse me, six bottles of wine at, at 4 p.m. on a 4 p.m. on a, a, a Sunday, right? I said, all everyone does in Italy is sit around, talk shit, smoke and drink yeah. and eat cheese or something. And I said, no wonder why the economy in this country never developed. But if you That's read that, with a, feathers. but if you read that, but I'm, I'm Italian, like I'm like, I'm yeah, half, like I'm that. half Italian. Mm-hmm. Like I'm, I'm allowed to say this, but also the level of which people thought I was attacking Italians was really funny because they were like, oh, like, you know, you just don't enjoy life. You relax. It's not, like, no, it was actually a very positive thing that I said, but it's the way it's people construe their own ideas and have their own connotations of you and who you are and what you say and the tone of mm-hmm. what you say based on their own view of the world. Yeah. So if you write something, it can be construed as positive or negative. Most people are going to construe it with negative, Right. And so I said that and I was like, you know, I was like, you know, no wonder why the economy never developed because everyone's just chilling because they're living a very good life. Their, their quality of life there. If you speak to anybody who's Italian, their quality of life is incredible. They relax. They sit in the sun all day. They drink wine. They, they chill with their family. They spend a lot of time with their family. And actually, most of the cultural practices evolved around not working. But most people thought I was like, oh, like you're thinking you're so American. You're thinking about the economic development instead of hmm enjoying your life. I'm like, no, I'm not, dude. I'm sitting here. I, had a, I actually, and I was like, I knew, but when I wrote the tweet, I knew it was going to be a banger. Yeah. And there's ways that you, and actually, um, Ruby is a very, very great example of this. You know, that is, um, he, he's very good with words. And I remember I saw a tweet of his and it said, it's time to have that conversation with that person that you're holding back from instead of it's time to have a conversation with someone that you're holding back that mm. person and every single time you think of that yeah, person so yeah. language is very important you have to be very deliberate with your language mm. so on twitter it's very easy to write something i wrote another one i knew it was going to be a banger i was just sitting in my bed and i was watching like bali travel videos yeah, right yeah. so i want to go to bali i'm like figuring out what the best spots I'm like do bali i go to chanyu seminyak yeah. like where do Definitely i go Chang-Yu. and i'm like thinking and I'm, I'm like and i'm watching the video and like Everyone is not in shape. Like the guy doing the video is like not in shape. He's like super pale. And I'm like, how do you, how are you in a place where there's incredible food? You have the sun and time to train all day, yeah. but you choose. And I, and I use the word bug man. And I said, but you choose to be a bug man in a cafe on a laptop. And, um, I knew it was, I knew it was going to pop and I knew everyone was going to agree with me. The, and then there's a lot of things that you learn about crisis management, but you have to be very deliberate with your language and there's a exact order of words. And it's very easy actually that I've, I've learned to ki- that I've learned and I've, I've seen to kick the bees nest in a certain way where there's literally a formula and a structure that you can follow to make something go, uh, to have a group of people to create engagement. Hmm. So, and I'm going to tell everyone how to do it here. So you're going to get on the midnight podcast. This is the first time people look at the camera. Like this. <clears throat> Here's what you're going to get. Here's exactly what you're going to do. If you want to create something that, that creates engagement, you're going to make a big, bold claim, a big, bold statement without that lacks nuance and a, you want a blanket generalization statement. Then you're going to create a follow-up statement that makes the first statement seem futile or maybe futile is not the word, but 
makes it seem like it's it's ridiculous, right? So you literally in the structure of the of the tweet or the format, or you can actually do this in TikTok and Instagram Reels and everything everything like that. Big bold claim, and then why the X big bold claim is a little bit ridiculous, right? Or this group of people or this thing that people do is ridiculous. And then you either leave it open to questions or you make it even more ridiculous. Or you ask an open-ended question or an or like, I don't understand why this is the way it is after you make the big bold claim. So it actually, it's a, it's, it's a mind fuck. It's mm-hmm. a, it, it's a, it creates cognitive dissonance in, in, the, in the reader. And what does that do? If people don't understand something, they begin to ask questions. Or if people disagree with something, they feel like they're entitled to an opinion. And actually, this is one of the big reasons that I hate fucking Twitter and I hate social media is because everyone feels like they're entitled to an opinion on your life or what you say or anything. It's absolutely not true. I guess everyone is entitled to their opinion, but like people feel like their opinion is the person yeah, reading it is school. going to actually genuinely care about their mm. opinion. So that's kind of how you do it. And I can actually pull out my phone and read it. Would you want me to read it? Yeah, Give you guys the it. breakdown. Go for it. Let's see if I can find it. I haven't tweeted in a while. I was tweeting quite a bit. And then I just really sporadically tweet when something comes to mind. More as a documenting purpose rather than trying to go viral. But I had, I had one tweet that got like a million impressions and went viral. Really? And it was about... I think it was because it was relatable. It was about... I think I said our, our generation is fucked. The whole... Our generation is fucked with dating because of social media. It's kind yeah. of like I said before. That's true. And I worded it quite well. And yeah, got like a million impressions and like 5,000 likes or something. Yeah. That's the only tweet Did I've you see ever my had. thread that got 30 million impressions? No. The, the fashion guide. 30 thread. million. That's 30 a lot. million. Fucking the entire hell. thing got 30 million. This is million. why Twitter's mad. It's Such insane. a developed platform still has Bro, the opportunity to get mad reach. I had everybody coming after me. It was hilarious. I literally just muted the thread and then I got, I woke up and I had a bunch of course sales. Yeah. 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 <laughs> And so what I'm saying about Twitter, guys, if you want to steal this framework, and this is free game. First, number one, you make a bold, almost outlandish claim. Then number two, you say it's easy for you to do said bold and outlandish claim. You make it ridiculous, ridiculously easy, right? Lifting a thousand pounds is easy, right? I don't know Mm -hmm. how, I don't know how you people can't lift it, something like that. Yeah. Then you have a motivational sentence of why you're better than other people or why you can do it and they can't. And then a sentence that shatters the said demographic, they're said, whoever, whichever group of of people or thing, whatever thing, not that you're attacking people, but whatever thing that you're talking about, a sentence that shatters their reality and backs up the bold claim of why it's easy. And that's how you make something pop. Then you can post a picture that's eye catching in some way. And then there's get brownie points and bonus points. It's actually you and it's you're actually living this type of life that you're claiming to live and you're actually like, that's why people get so angry, angry at some people on the internet because they're jealous of them and they want their life or they envy their lifestyle. Um, and then you you literally watch people like like ants, like swarm onto your, whatever you're posting and like say like, oh, I don't, I disagree with this. You're crazy. You're an asshole, this, whatever, whatever it is. And then you can just kind of continue to bait in, bait in the comments and then you literally sit there and laugh. Hmm. But it's good to have an offer on the back end of that, though. Any of my business guys, any of my social media, any of my business guys, it's really good to have an offer on the back end of that because if so, you're, you're just, if not, then you're just kind of doing it for no reason and you're losing out on opportunity costs. That's how it's on. That's good shit. I'm, I'm going to actually listen to that and try and apply that framework. 
Trying to get more people subscribing to the pod. I started yeah. using TikTok for the pod. Really? For a few clips. One really? of them got like 700k views. It was just a random clip. That's awesome. Someone's like, wait a minute, TikTok's an opportunity. Oh, Sleep yeah. on this shit. I think we've got about 12 months left before TikTok becomes uh, completely unusable. Just like Instagram. Mm-hmm. You got organic reach is fucked. Yeah. It is crazy. So I think I need to start doing more video podcasts. <laughs> no, I'd say so. It's definitely good for that. It's definitely good for that. What do you think about the whole Red Pill community then? Because I feel like the whole Andy Tate thing has blown that up. Yeah. I was, I didn't even know what Red Pill was. Like, con- as in, I obviously was aware of the content. Yeah. But I didn't know that it was called Red Pill or this shit until I was on Twitter, basically. But it's I had a group of- chat with my mates and, yeah. and I decided that I think a lot of it, I mean, it's, it's kind of, it appeals to almost like incel type characters yeah. that are trying to justify their lack of maybe success with women or whatever by going down this kind of extreme controversial like fuck women everything like blah 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 yeah like borderline misogynistic angle and and it, it doesn't I don't know it just it, I think it, if it doesn't feel natural to you to, to view the world that way you shouldn't jump on it because a lot some people people view women and dating and all that shit that way I don't think that's natural whatsoever. I think it's completely trained or it's completely yeah. programmed into their mentality by society. I'll say this for the podcast because I'm, I'm going to make a clip out of this right here. Yeah. I think the whole red pill space as it stands currently right now has is programming guys into becoming lesser versions of themselves. And it's all the way it's all used to sell products. Mm. It's all one big sales funnel. Every single anonymous account on Twitter or anonymous seduction yeah. account on on Twitter, every single every single one, buy my course to learn how to pick up poor girls in Ukraine or something like like that one guy who yeah. was sitting chilling in Ukraine and he was like had like a blog like it's horrible, it's absolutely horrible with it's absolutely horrible and actually I found the space years ago and the space used to be really good it used to be a really positive community. And I saw like from Reddit and everything, it was a really positive community of a bunch of guys who were getting together and like genuinely like they wanted to develop their social skills. They were, they were all working out and they would post about their progress and things like that. Now it's become this don't split, don't pay for a girl on a date, bro. Any beautiful girl, any single beautiful girl on planet earth, if you, and who literally has pick of the litter, any single one. You think she's going to keep talking to you after you take her to a nice restaurant and ask her to split the bill? Are you crazy? Yeah. Are you crazy? And also, if you're a guy and you're young, because I know there's a lot of young dudes who follow me. There's a lot of young dudes who follow you. There's a lot of business people as well. But if you're a young guy, you got to get your money right. Two things that you got to get right. Number one is your fitness because it compounds over time. It's the first thing you need to get right. Number two is your money. Because when you start going out to places in London or Los Angeles or Miami or New York or Mykonos or Dubai, dinner is a thousand dollars every single night. In Mykonos, it definitely is. Dinner's a thousand dollars. You you were you were staying at Soho House, right? In in Mykonos. I wasn't staying there. Okay, we were going there. I can't actually. You went Scorpios, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Scorpios is mad. How much is it for a table in Scorpio? It's about twenty five grand, right? Yeah. It's 25,000 euros for a table. Elon Musk was there, actually. Yeah, it's crazy. Like, like you 400 think, grand for a VIP table or like, something. Like, like, bro, you think you're going to go to the club. You're going to go to Scorpios and Mykonos and be like, 
oh yeah, you got to split the book, bro. That's what you. That's what most people make in a year after taxes. They'll make fifty k. They'll they'll make twenty five. They'll save twenty grand. They can't even pay for a table, for one night. Yeah, I mean, Scorpius is crazy. It's crazy. That's the only club in Mykonos I've never been to. Really? Yeah. 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 No, it's crazy. But I, I think the whole, the whole red pill thing, right? And I, I speak to mates about this. Um, it it kind of it completely destroys the whole aspect of like chivalry and like yeah. romance and shit. And yeah. I'm I, I'm I'm not that guy that's like hoes and clubs, all this bullshit. I mean, I, I've done that, been there, done yeah. that. It just isn't what I'm naturally drawn to, though. Like, I, I'm the guy that, like I was saying off camera. If I fucking like someone, it's like flowers and dinners and shit. Yeah. And I think that's how it should be. And that's not in like a simpy fucking loser way, which some people on Twitter might say. It's just in an authentically myself way. Yeah. And I'm confident in my own masculinity and character. Yeah. That if I fucking want to treat a woman nicely because I like them. Yeah. Then I can. That's not like some simp bullshit. Whereas Red Pill would be like, you need to have, you know, 15 hoes on speed dial and like, you should never do anything for a woman. Like everyone's out to get you. Yeah. Everyone's got a backup. And I, I think it's very, there, of course, there's exceptions to everyone. Like maybe if you go to Mayfair and you hang around the wrong places, you're probably not going to find a wife, but there are still good people out there, guys and girls. Yeah. It just depends who you surround yourself with. And, and often, in my opinion, the best girls are not the ones that are in fucking nightclubs every night. Yeah. And I agree. Especially they're not the ones in nightclubs on on everybody's table. Yeah. You know, it's an interesting thing and, and I really... There's just this huge culture on Twitter of the whole <sighs> nightclub and hoes, inverted commas. Well, you know, that, that whole thing. And I just think it's very, it's actually very niche because the whole like Miami... Mayfair, London, like LA scene, that is still like 1% of, probably less than 1% of like. You see the same people all the time. Globally. You yeah. see the same people. It's a very all the time. refined group. Yeah. And you have to be careful. Like, even living, living where I live and stuff, it's all around me, but I'm, I'm very aware that it's a, it's a bubble and yeah. you don't have to stay in that bubble. You don't have to view the world just based on that. Like, like not every girl is a girl that goes clubbing, you know. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, whatever it is. Yeah. And yeah, I just think there's a lot of opinions and like stereotypes that, that are built that around people very take small. As gospel. Yeah, exactly. People need it, guys. And please you stop taking your stuff fucking as self gospel. and treat different situations how you would authentically yourself. The problem is you get all these 18 year olds that have never got any life experience and then they latch on to Andy Tate or, I mean, he's obviously the biggest, but like leading, they latch on to people in that red pill circle. And then they try and, you know, they follow like a blueprint or like people that would study like day game and shit. Yeah. It's like, no, just work on yourself and do what feels natural to you. And like I said a million times, be authentically yourself and you'll attract people that are fucking interested in that. Whether that's guy friends or girls in a yeah. dating aspect. Yeah. And I think a lot of it's theory and not actually what they believe. Exactly. Because you can talk about theories to do things. And, but what's actually fact, there's, life, is, life is a feeling process. And life is gray area. Mm. Not everything you read on the internet, guys, this is a crazy thought. Not everything you read on the internet is true. 
Not everything you read on the internet is gospel, especially with this, because human relationships, interpersonal relationships are completely dynamic things and every single one is different. Yeah. You have a different relationship with every single one of the people in your life. Every single one in everybody's life is different. You have a different relationship with your dad than you do your mom, that your brother with you do your cousin, with your friend, with your best friend, with an acquaintance. Every single thing is different. And it's important to understand that nuance. Because if you don't, you take everything that you read on the internet, especially if you have no direction and no guidance and no mentors, you can start to read the wrong thing and it leads you down a very sad, lonely, and dark path where you create a void inside of your soul that you will never fill. Mm. That's powerful. And, you know, that whole space is very interesting to me. I don't think, you know, I don't think we should even waste our time further, like, talking about talking about that space because it's like... I just want to complain about it when I try. I, I, I feel like I, I've started to, I, I try not to complain unless I do something about it, but I, I don't like it and I don't like the direction mm. it's going, but there are a couple of people who are kind of, it, are it's saving grace. And that's really all I got to say. What do you think about it? You think, uh, I think, I think, I think people need to, build and you can tell when someone's inexperienced in life yeah. generally whether that's business or social things or whatever when their their opinions are only what everyone's everyone is telling them on Twitter you know it, if they can't have an opinion outside what everyone else is thinking then they clearly don't have enough context to make their own opinions on things and, and that's the problem with shit like Red Bull absolutely it attracts a bunch of insecure young guys and maybe girls it's, you know, that they just don't have enough life experience to have their own opinions on things. You know, there's only a couple people, and, and I, I agree and with you completely. People fall for that. Well, it's when, yeah, they're getting sold. Agree with you completely. And there's only a couple people that I know of, literally on in this world, who have had their shit together at like 18. Or like have had a semblance of their yeah, shit no, together I, at 18. I definitely didn't. But it's because, and think about how you were and I was, when I, like how you were at 18 and I was at 18. I had no clue what was going on. It's like, you got a bunch of 18 year old kids reading these like seduction Twitter accounts. And it's like, what, what are yeah. you talking about? Don't pay for a beautiful woman for dinner. What? Yeah, it's crazy. What? Don't open the door. Like, dude, I open the door for my girl every time. Yeah, so do you have a girlfriend then? Yeah, I do. How long has that been? Five months. Right, cool. Yeah. How's that? How did that come it. about? I was, I was actually with, um, I, it was the second night I hung out with Sebastian Georgiou in LA and another, and Mike, uh, Mike on Twitter, Mike, Mike Paik on Twitter. And we, we went out and it was, uh, we went to Sebastian's friend's boxing fight. He won, crushed the dude in like the first round. It was crazy. And, uh, we all went out. It was a bunch of like, uh, some of the e-commerce guys, crypto guys, all really, really awesome people. Mm. Um, we went out and, um, I don't know, she was just around and she was actually, and the story was she was promoting the night. So she was actually working there and she like, things kind of got fucked up with the people that she was going to bring. And, um, she was wandering around with her friend and ended up talking to me. So, I love that. and I didn't really, I didn't really, I, I, we talked about a lot of things and got kind of deep, like we quite fast. But, um, another thing with the, the, the whole, this whole like red pill kind of talking to girls thing, it's like, if you're like, if you have your shit together, right, and you have a semblance of confidence, right? Like, I walked up and I said, hi, what's your name? You're absolutely gorgeous. That was it. Old school. And that was it. 
Yeah, he don't need to script this shit. You don't need to script it. You don't need all these openers. You don't need these lines that you used. Totally agree. I walked up and said, hi, my name's David. You're absolutely gorgeous. Yeah, and then What's you have name? the... You have yourself to back that up because, yeah, you, you need a fucking opening line if you're a loser. Yeah. That's the, that's the thing people miss. But if I have nothing in, in my entire life to be pretty much insecure about or I have nothing to... Like, there's no, there's no doubt in my heart. It's like, I feel very, like, actually, and it's something interesting because once I started to see some success in business, it's like, sometimes you kind of get imposter syndrome. You don't really necessarily always feel deserving of your success. Yeah. And it was at a point where I felt very deserving of my success. And I really started to become really, and this is actually within the past year, like really deserving and really grounded in the things that I've done and and what I've built. And there, there was no, like, you know no doubt in my mind anymore. And I'd started to begin, become really deserving of the things that I was doing. And that when you're, when you feel like totally congruent with the things that you're doing in life and who you are, and you really feel like, you know, it's like the Drake lyric says, I think I really like who I'm becoming. Yeah. And I was like, damn, that's me. Mm. And so, you know, I just, I just walk up and it's like, also like if guys, like if you guys are, you know, whoever listens to this, if you guys want girl advice, be as direct as possible, but don't be creepy. Don't be creepy. You're not going to get any girls doing that. But if you're as direct as possible, like, you know, I think you're absolutely gorgeous. Uh, you know, what's your name? And she's either going to say yes or no. Dude, listen, actually, these odds don't get better. It's 50-50. Most of the stuff in life, you can, Very true. You can say it's winning the lottery is one in a million. Nah, it's 50-50. It either happens yeah. or it doesn't. <laughs> so, like, your, your business is either going to be successful or it's not, Right. All the statistical stuff, life is literally like, it's a feeling process, it's a game of luck, it's a game of chance. It's like, I could have walked up and she could have went, gave me, gave me the head nod and been like, goodbye. But no, that didn't happen and then, um, yeah, now we've been together five months. So it's, very, it's, it's, it's different from the life that I used to live. Did you, I've, I've discussed this kind of, I don't know if it's like an internet theory or a theory my friends have discussed. Did you think when you met her, for example, I don't want to, go too into your private life but like were you like instantly like oh she's like gonna be my girlfriend no 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 but there was that instant attraction or was it more just like yeah abs- absolutely in- instant attraction because the reason I say that is because something about pheromones I was reading about this I-, I don't know how true it is or how just like romantic biological bollocks I don't know but like every time in my life where I've been like magnetically attracted to a girl yeah which is rare to be fair yeah it's always happened. Yeah. Always. Because, and I don't know what the theory is specifically, but the logic behind it is you only feel that way because it's like some mutual thing. Yeah. Otherwise that's, you wouldn't feel that way. Well, that's a very interesting theory. And because it's mutual, it ends up happening. Yeah, but I think... Whereas other times when I've just not felt that interested, well, it then hasn't happened because I've been that interested, but... Yeah, yeah well, it's that, weird. that happens even if you see people for I've a little bit. I've never really liked someone and not happened, basically, is what I'm saying. Really? So I, I don't know if that's just because I've got a good game or what, or if it's just like I science mean, it, it, backing it, it up. Guys, it's definitely not because he's six foot three, he's pushing a Ferrari, he's got ni- a, a nice house, he's got a lot of success, things got definitely, no. But Humble. Very humble. But no, I, I, there was definitely instant attraction. And I think you need instant attraction with a person that you're going to be with. You mm. need that absolutely. And I don't think you can falter on that. You have to be attracted. And it was very magnetic. And I can say it was very magnetic. What most people do is they try to talk to every girl instead of the right girl. 
Hundred percent agree. You can't go up to every girl, every six in the club, and start trying to spit game to some six in the club to get your dick wet. Yeah, you don't do that, guys. Please don't do that. I was, and I'm very direct because it's like I was just like I think you're gorgeous, and like it's not like I'm like having a conversation. The conversation's going nowhere, and I'm on some like let's just be. Oh, I want to be your friend. It's like no, I'm here for. And I think every single guy, like you guys, would get a lot more done and and be a lot more efficient and find the right person for you or a right person for you. Again, being deliberate with my language. If you were directed with your intentions, right? When you start a business, right? You say, I'm going to do this, 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 and this. You, you don't say, oh, I might do this or I might do like, mm. oh, I'm not sure. Like, oh, and you're uncertain. Intent comes from certainty, right? Especially with the girls. If you have the intent, you walk up and I think you're absolutely gorgeous. I like you. She knows why you're there, bro. Yeah. Right? So it's up for her and it's up for the woman to decide if, if she likes you or not, right? So yeah, there's instant attraction, but for me, I'm, I'm kind of a hard nut to crack. Like I need to, I need to actually like see who this person is because you get 20, 30 minutes in a club. Like, even though if you like, you're not going to actually know genuinely who that person is. Right. But I guess you could say I'm a decent interviewer. So I would say so. I appreciate that. But also, but it's like the same things, same things you, you say in an interview. It's like the same process applies to dating. Like, it's like, how do you get to know who that person actually is and what their values are? How do you know that they're not lying to you, lying through their teeth? How do you mm. know that they're not putting on a facade? How do you know that they're not faking it? So you have to understand the nuance. But yeah, I mean, I so I met her and then she actually dipped off from me. And then next day I got a text I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, like I, I dip, but it, I, I had a pleasure. It was, it was amazing to meet you, and I want to see you again, or something like that. Hmm. So we went out on a date, and then that, that's kind of history. Love to see it. It's kind of history. It was kind of just like. So, it's it's interesting, but I think, like I said, intent comes from certainty, and you have to be absolutely certain. I'm gonna say something I said on our podcast that we did when you were on my show. Hmm. All right. You need four things in yeah, life. I remember this. You need four things in life. So you need you need to be whatever you, whatever you guys want to do because there's a lot of people who listen to this for advice and entertainment value and you're very entertaining. I like hanging out with you, and I and I enjoy talking to you. But on top of that, if you guys want to actually do something, whether it's talking to girls or it's business or it's sales or whatever it may be, you you guys need to be consistent. Consistent create consistency creates confidence. And once you're confident, you might not know what the hell you're talking about, but you know that you can do it. So you have to create competence and confidence creates competence. And then when you have all three, you're consistent, you're confident, you're competent, then you become convicted. And the mm. reason why I can speak with pretty much almost zero stutters, I know I stuttered a couple times on this show, but I'm convicted in the things that I'm saying. Yeah. I just caught that. Catch that fly. But you become convicted in the things that you say. And when you become convicted, you can do anything. And not convicted like going to jail, but... <laughs> no, I completely agree. You have to... Yeah, you have to be very clear on... I think the problem is most people don't actually know what they're trying to achieve. Mm-hmm. Whereas... And obviously, your goals in life... Obviously, the goalposts move, things mm-hmm. change, whatever. But I, I religiously think about... And it probably develops every like three months. Maybe I look at it on like a three-month basis. Like certain goals I have in every area of my life. And, and when I'm in the sauna meditating, which I tend to do like every day, I'll visualize them as if they're done. Yeah. Like, 
and whatever. Some people say like visualization is bollocks and stuff, but, and, and it is if you don't back it up with action. But the reason I do that is because, you know, you need to be very clear on what, you're, you, what you want to achieve. Yeah. And for me, it's like, I'll have a business goal, I'll have a fitness goal, a, a maybe a social goal, like maybe a goal with like my relationships, that sort of shit, maybe like three or four. And then you just, once you know exactly what you're going after and you almost act like it's already happened, then like you're saying, it gives you the conviction to fucking do it every day. And you know, then all you have to do is win the day. And then when you win every day, yeah. and granted there's ups and downs and certain little things that happen, whatever, which might push you off that path momentarily, but then you just win the day. And eventually over, you know, 365 days of fucking year. And then you look back and see how much has happened in a year. Yeah. Even just in like three months, I have to do that. And you think like not much is happening and, Sometimes like it's a fucking grind trying to do a lot of shit, particularly when you have a lot going on, but you can really move the needle, but you have to be very clear on what you're trying to achieve first. Cause you ask most, most people what they actually, what they're trying to do in life. Yeah. They probably don't really know. Or maybe they have a fluffy idea, but it's not that specific. Yeah. But yeah, I think being very specific on exactly what you want to do. And even if it seems like arrogant or you don't feel like you deserve it, like train yourself to fucking think that it's already happened and then go after it. Yeah. That's very true. But it gets easier, like you said, when you have to get com- blind confidence from nothing originally. Like when I, don't know, when I was like 18 and I got into like e-com, I hadn't done anything, but I yeah. just, you have to just arrogantly, you know, crazily believe that you're able to do it and take mm-hmm. that first step. But then you get, like you said, you build competence through doing it because you are confident that you can do it so you yeah. spend time on it and you then when you the get good set. at it you, you have the skill set and you've got the results and then when you get the results it's like I think it was there's a saying like co- experience breeds confidence because like when you've done it and people around you have done it it's like the normal it's, it's normality and there's always the next level to that but that first bit's the hardest yeah absolutely because no one has any experience when you get started just by default and it's the same for fucking everyone But it's also on top of that, Matt, is there's, like I said earlier, when I was telling that story of kind of what my backstory is, Mm. there's that point where you don't think that you're going to be able to do it, where you've tried it and you've not succeeded. And you have to be able to turn your brain off to genuinely build those skills, right? You need to make a commit. I think people would benefit from making commitments and honoring the commitments that they make to themselves. Because I don't want to be a person that sits around and says I'm going to do something and then doesn't do it. Oh, I think it's the most right. important thing in life. Like your word has to be like iron willed. It yeah. has to be like solid. As much to as yourself. Possible. As much as possible. Yeah. And you have to make the commitment to yourself because if you genuinely want to live like a better life or you want to achieve these things because of whether it's ego or it's spirit and most people want to achieve materialistic wealth out of ego and things like that, but... I think it's, I think that's very good, but, uh, or maybe an altruistic perspective of taking care of the people around them. Mm. But you have to, you have, there's, like I said, there's going to be that point where you don't think you're going to be able to do it, but you have to know what your clear goals are. And I, I truly think like, Although we're going to probably have to cut this because I'm just retarded. <laughs> but um, it's commitment and honoring commitment with themselves. 
like if you if you say something and you don't do it, then you're sitting there and you're lying to yourself forever. Yeah. Or if you say, hey, I'm going to do like the goal, like the goalpost does change, but account personal responsibility and accountability. And you see a lot of people. Actually, this is very interesting. You see a lot of people with victim mentality who have zero accountability and zero personal responsibility for themselves. It's an interesting thought. A lot of the people that complain a lot on, on social media apps and envy other people are people that can't take personal responsibility and say, my life's shit. I want to change it. And here's what exactly and specifically what I'm going to do to change it. And here's why I want to. Here's exactly the things that I want to do. I think one of the best things I ever did was I got really hard on myself and really actually down almost to like a state of depression. And I do this sometimes to myself, just kind of G-check myself and know exactly where I'm at. Mm. You can do this better. You're this, you're this, you're this, you're this. And get real negative. And you get real specific on the things that you want to change or the things that you're not happy with. And then you flip the script and do almost everything in your power to change that because some things you can't change. But almost everything in your power that you can change, you for the better, you try to make an effort to change. And a lot of it has to do with like health, fitness, financial relationships. But like if you don't like the person that you're with or the friends that you hang around, you can change those. The internet exists, mm. right? If you have a skill that you think you lack, there's information out there to help you change that. And as long as you make the commitment, you honor that commitment, I think people would have to live better lives and do very well. Yeah. Do you think you're driven more by positivity or negativity? Negativity. Same. Absolutely. Yeah. Did you grow up like an I have to make it mentality? Yeah. So I don't come from a rich family. Yeah, neither did I. Like just kind of a normal, I guess. My mum was a nurse, went to a comprehensive school. I didn't see any like wealth or anything. It wasn't like fucking poor, but just like normal, I guess. Um, and then I think it was more partly like seeing my parents just like maybe, I don't know, do shit they didn't want to do because of money. And then I was like, ah. Yeah. I, I think one thing I'm probably driven by most is like, have you ever done a personality test? Absolutely. I did, so 16 personalities, I might link in on this pod. I did that test like six months ago. I did it again recently and it was the exact same result. I think it was an ENFJ protagonist or whatever. Okay. And I read through the, it's probably like, maybe there's an element of it's borderline like star signs where everything is applicable to everyone if you read it that way because you're in that mindset. But yeah. the description was so ridiculously accurate on like relationships, money, business, everything. Yeah. And one of the things it said was that I get a lot of pleasure out of helping other people and like being generous to other people more than myself. And then I was like, fuck, that's so true because... I guess girls as an example like if I fucking like like someone I'll, I'll just go all out and yeah. I get I probably get more pleasure than they do from whatever I'm doing for them because I'm like giving um, and maybe that's an element of why I like doing the pod because I feel like I'm helping people and shit but to come back to the original question or the point is I'm probably like my monetary goals are probably more about the ability to like relieve stress from other people i.e. my parents yeah and like my future family and be able to provide for them more than my more than my short-term indulgent desires to fucking buy like a Bugatti or some bullshit yeah because that's all cool and 
like we were saying before, like you kind of tick off those smaller goals, like car, whatever, your fancy watch, other sort of bullshit when you're like younger or, or, or if you do do it when you're younger and then you think, well, what's driving it beyond that point? All right, there's freedom and so on. But freedom in itself isn't that great because going to, like I said, like fucking Mykonos and shit gets old. And then it's like, well, where's the intrinsic drive come from in terms of at least like the monetary side? Granted, I want to build something cool and have a legacy and all this shit. But it's actually to probably like be a provider to some extent, and yeah, and you know people that are in many ways cursed to probably come from like a lot of wealth and shit will never know, will never feel that way because they're they're always cool, and by default they'll probably never have that drive to build something. I don't know where I'm going with it, but yeah, if if I was to be honest with myself, that's probably where a lot of the drive comes from is to be a provider because I just like biologically intrinsically feel that. And that's why I would never let a girl pay for fucking half half the meal on a date because I want to be that provider. Yeah. And that makes me feel like right. It feels right to do that. And the reason I asked you that, I'm hijacking the podcast now. The reason I asked you that was because at some point, I mean like, dude, you had a Ferrari at 22, right? 24. 24. Oh, 24. Okay. You had the R8 at 20. Okay. $100,000, pound, $100,000 difference. But like, at what point did the money stop making you happy? Because, like, I think at some point you have to shift the goalpost and you have to change the vision. And I, I'm saying this, like, on Twitter and I was telling people, like, you know, even if they don't want to get into, like, sales or copywriting or e-commerce or, like, whatever the business model is or whatever vehicle that they're in in order to kind of escape from the slavery of, like, a, a job or whatever it is. And they want to live life on their own terms. Whatever vehicle they're using to, to live life on their own terms at some point you have to change the vision and you have to change the scope. Yeah. And I think, and so what I'm, what I want to say is like, if you have a vision, there's two other things that you need. So the vision is the grand thing. Like, what do I want my life and the future, the legacy, whatever you want? What is that? What does it look like? Number two is what is my plan to get there? And number three and this can't change, is you have to be able to work and have that work ethic ingrained in your being in order to get there. And so you work backwards, right? If you have the work ethic, then you, what is the plan, right? What's, what plan am I going to have in order to get to the vision? Mm. And so you have to kind of reverse engineer it. Most people, they don't have a plan. They don't even have the work ethic and they get lazy and they don't have the vision. But I think when you make a certain amount of money or you hit and I think, honestly, truthfully, I think the number is $20,000 a month in your pocket. Your vision starts to change and, and like, you can live a really good life on like I, I two, was going to make a point like 250, that. 250. Like you, 240, 250. The reason really I think it's, it's that sort of number, right? Because, and, and you said, when does the money start making you happy? There's obviously fucking levels to money, but I think it's so diminishing beyond about that point because the initial reason you know people get started and they have like no money and yeah. I remember having literally no money yeah, like, that's why like I started. 40 quid in my account I was working in a burger bar running Facebook ads on my break like, <laughs> people think like no, some people don't go through that stage and everyone goes through that fucking stage unless you come from money or whatever in which case it doesn't count but like the initial drive there is I want to be able to not do this shit job that I fucking hate yep and then once that's covered it's like alright okay I want to have a bit of freedom to like do what I want and you know enjoy life a bit more travel whatever go out whatever and yeah I think it's like you said about that sort of level but beyond that it's more just like keeping score and obviously there's levels to it like you can't fucking buy a private jet and shit but, but like even that 
I think the difference between like working in an office job, say nine to five, like a lot of people maybe are when they're starting out and not being able to go anywhere. And then actually now you can fucking go to Bali if you want and work. That difference is way more powerful than, oh, now you can go to Bali on a private jet if you're making fucking 100 million. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. That's more just like, yeah. oh, it's a bit more luxurious. It doesn't have a material impact on the way you're living. I think I heard, I remember I saw your episode with Iman. I heard Iman say this. Yeah, he's a wise don. He, that's a, the most he, viewed, he's viewed a, episode by far. By the he's way, he's a serious. I look like a different person in that episode. Really, I was in a bad way at that time. I, I I remember listening. You were like, oh, like you were you were talking about some shit. Yeah, but I, I was remember. Going I think I heard. Time. I think I think I heard him say it. It's like my. It was like something along the lines of like your first hundred k, hmm. like changes the way you view the world or like changes the like your entire lifestyle. Yeah, right. But I think people like people can live a really good life on. Two, 200, depending on where you live in the world. I think you need minimum, if you're in New York, Miami, or LA, I think you need a minimum 200 grand a year to have fun and like actually enjoy life. And you can do that, and you have to do that on your own without working like a job mm-hmm. because a lot of the enjoyment in those cities is during the daytime. And if you're occupied in an office, you're not going to be able to enjoy that city. Yeah. Like I chill on my rooftop pool in LA at 2 p.m. on a Tuesday. No one's mm-hmm. there, everyone's at work. So, to get the true enjoyment, I think you need a vehicle in order to get there and you need a vision. Like, let me ask you this. Like, how has your vision changed? I'll tell you how mine's changed, but I'll tell it. I think we spoke about this in your part. I think we did. I think broadly, like life speaking, it's probably become more long-term in general. It's probably become more about less, less, elements whether that's people or things but ones that matter more so maybe like less people that I give a fuck about but ones that are going to be in my life hopefully for a long time rather than wasting time with you know the wrong girls the wrong people whatever like you know less things in in the sense that I I move where I live less for example like because I'm more focused on like, I want a bit more consistency in in everything whereas when I was younger it was like very random and very like no stability basically I don't think you get older and you want a bit more stability and I'm still trying to figure out exactly what that looks like but for example like London will always be my central base now I think forever Hmm. because I've just because you compound the your network and your life in that place which I think is the biggest downside to being a nomad forever is that you never actually build a reputation yeah. or an element of status anywhere. Yeah. You, you kind of kind of get there in Changu and Chiang Mai, wherever the fuck you're going, Barcelona, like I used to do. But no one actually knows you for long enough to build your brand anywhere. You need at least, I think, a month. Yeah. If you're in a small city or a small village or a small town, you need a month. Maximum. And there's a, a lot of different ways to do that. But I, I agree with you. I want to find, like, I genuinely want to find a place where I really feel like it's home. And I live in LA. I don't feel like it's home. Hmm. Even Philadelphia, I didn't. I didn't feel like it was home. I, it's home technically. Yeah. But you know, I feel it. it it's very strange because I kind of always want to. I have this feeling in, inside of me that I always need to be on the move. And that's that's kind of what my vision is, especially for like the next few years. 
I don't understand how some people can stay in the same place for their entire lives or like the same place. Like, oh, like I'm going to stay here for three months. I'm like, what, three months, bro? I'm like, I'm here for three weeks. I'm like, I'm itching to get the fuck out of there. Yeah. Right. I'm like, I'm like itching to get out of there. Like actually in the past year, the longest I stayed in one place was five or six weeks. Even though I have a place in LA, Hmm. I only stayed there. And I actually think the longest that I no wait. Yeah, the longest that I stayed there was six weeks. It used to be five, hmm. but until I went to to Europe, I you know we had to build a product and we had to do a bunch of I had to do a bunch of stuff. But it's been six weeks for the past year. I've stayed on. I've stayed in the same place, and now it's kind of like my normal. Yeah, I'm probably the same to be fair in terms of one block. So travel yeah. a lot, even though I'm talking about consistency. But I guess consistent base. Yeah. Well, you have a, you have the home base, but it's like when you, I, I feel like we like if we don't, if we truly only have one life. I gotta, I gotta get, I gotta get moving. It's mm. too much to see. I don't want to live a life of regret. It's like, I, I, I'm, I do not want to live a life of regret at all. I want to go here. I want to go there. You know, I've, I've only been to, I think, I think United Kingdom, actually England is my 13th country I've been to. Mm. And one year ago I was on my, I was, I had only been in America. So I did 13 countries in a year and it's like, I want to do more. Like before I leave here, I want to do like 20 something, right? Just to see them. Just to say I've been there and done it and to have the story. Actually, I think traveling is something because it's very interesting because when I travel, I always get the craziest stories. Yeah. It's the craziest experience. And it's like, regardless of of like if I made, you know, a hundred million dollars or however much, like whatever financial game that you want to play, even if I was broke at, at the end of my life. Or I had nothing at the end of my life, but I had those stories mm. and I'm sitting around, I'm smoking a cigar, I'm hanging out with my grandchildren. I would feel so fulfilled. Yeah. I Telling them that. the stories about this crazy shit. This happened, this happened, this happened, this happened, this happened. Yeah. We almost died here. We almost died there. Yeah. Got in a fight here. This happened, this happened, this, like I was in, I was in, I was here, 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 here. And just like, I think the more you do that, the more experience that you have and the more stories that you can tell. And I think that's what makes I think that's what makes life worth living. Living a beautiful life. Yeah. I Genuinely. Agree. Be- and But money is a part of that. All the ups and downs and the fucking stories. Well, I'll never be short of those. You know, money is a part of that because my goal, right? My goal post actually changed. I wanted to make, what was it? 20 grand a month online. Right. When I, when I first like originally was like, I want to figure out how to make some money online. And then shit started popping off. But my goalpost changed and it's like, I want to see as much as the wor- of the world as possible while I'm still young. I want, and my true vision is I genuinely want to live a life that most people will never experience. Hmm. And that's fulfillment for me. So money obviously is, is part of that, right? Like we're taking out yachts in Miami where like most people don't ever get to have that experience, you know, actually, you know, I've, I've never driven a supercar yet, right? You have, you they're fun, that. right? Yeah. So I need to do that. But I want to like, I want to genuinely live a life that most people want, don't, don't have the ability to experience or don't have the financial means to experience. And, and that includes, you know, traveling the world and seeing places and going to, you know, somewhat dangerous places and things like that. So it's a big world and I think if this is my only spin on this rock, I need to do as much as I possibly can. I need to fit it in with while well, I still have the energy and the capacity to do so. 
that said then, because I guess like the specifics of my life vision that we've kind of mentioned, I feel like never stem that far ahead. I'm probably like, I can see like clearly like three to five years and after that it gets a bit foggy because so many things will change within that period. But do you have a grand master plan? And like, I guess within that, are there certain goals by certain age? Like how does your life look in 10 years, for example? Or do you, or do you go beyond that? Oh dude, I have no clue. This is a really interesting point. My life changes literally three months at a time. Yeah. And I don't even know what I'm doing tomorrow. I'm supposed to fly to Marbella tomorrow or get crazy, go to the club. I don't, I don't know. So it's like, I, you know, I have an idea of what it looks like. Obviously I think anyone who, especially entrepreneurs and guys who are in business, I think every single person has an idea of what their lives are going to look like when they've kind of made it. Hmm. But what's interesting is I already feel like I have made it and I make a lot less money than a lot of my friends. Mm. But I can say this and I know they're going to watch this. I truly think, truly, I'm happier. Interesting. And the reason is, is because what I'm doing currently in the present moment today was my dream. I can go anywhere I want to go. I can stay in beautiful five-star hotels everywhere in the world. I'm in London. London's one of the most expensive cities on the planet. I'm staying in a five-star hotel. And I don't have to think about what the price is going to be. I don't have to think about going and spending 150 pounds on lunch, $200 on lunch, whatever. Mm. And I don't have to think about these things. That was my dream. When I first started out and I was dead broke, I was like, I just want to be able to like go and take all my friends out to dinner or like go get Chipotle every day and not have to cook for myself, not have to do dishes. Like I want to be able to go and like, like, dude, I have shirts that cost a thousand, over a thousand dollars. Like I have shirts that cost a thousand pounds, like with the conversion, like, mm. you know, my shoes I'm wearing right now are a grand. And I don't like say that in like some sort of like way, like, but that was my, I wanted to buy nice things, right? It's not like I'm buying like hyper luxury watches or something crazy like that. Like some people do, which I think are fucking dope. I'm not buying supercars yet, but I have the means to go anywhere that I want in the world within, within reason for the most part and live a very, very, very nice lifestyle. I can't, you know, charter a, a 300 foot mega yacht in Mykonos. Like yeah. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to be going to Mykonos every night, every Sunday and, and, and spending 25 grand on a table, but I can live, I yeah. live very comfortably. Like I don't have to think about clothes. I don't have to think about food. I, I just took my, I just actually, I, most people would tweet about this, but I'll reveal it on, on your podcast. So I just took my mom on a trip, a week long trip to Italy. I, I took my girl with me for the past three weeks, like, you know, and it's those things that make the money worth having along with the freedom of being able to do whatever I want to do and, and also not having an alarm clock. And that was my dream. Because when I used to get up and when my mom used to wake me up for high school, she used to throw buckets of water on me sometimes and like just, you know, like, old school. and like I'd, I'd be getting screamed at, like, you know, old school Italian mom, love her to death. And uh, I just want to do nice things for the people I care about. And I have the means to do so. And I don't have to think about clothes. I don't have to think about food. I don't have to think about where I'm staying. I can afford really nice places when I, when I travel. And that's about it. And like, I know like the bills are paid. And I know that things are good. That was my vision when I first started out. Mm. Now I have to take that a step further. And be, now I genuinely want to live like a crazy life that people don't get to live. But that's how my goalpost shifted. Mm. 
So now I know that I need more money. And so what's interesting is like, you do something very interesting with, well, it's you do e-commerce, right? You're building a company, you're building a brand. You have automatically infinite scalability to a certain amount of customers, right? And you also have a consumable product, which is repeat customers. So you can create MRR, you can create subscription methods, you can create a lot of revenue in that business. Yeah. Now, a lot of the times, and I think e-commerce and brand building, it's the I think it's genuinely the hardest thing to do. I don't know if you would agree. I do agree. But I think it's it's incredibly incredibly hard to do as well. It's really cool overall. It's really hard to do. It's a level ten opportunity. Especially if you have a brand that just hits the stratosphere, right? And you've had companies where you've made a ton of money already, so you know exactly you already have the skill set, mm. right, and the competence to be and the conviction to be able to do it. What's really cool, I think, is like that's a level ten opportunity. A lot of other business models are not level ten opportunities. There's no scalability. Yeah. So, over the past month, actually, month, month and a half, I, I'm starting to pivot a lot of the things that I do. Obviously, I'm still going to run the, the education business. But my vision has changed so much to where I realize that the current thing, sometimes in life you realize that the current thing you're doing is not going to get you to where you need to be or where you want to be. Hmm. So your scope of reference, you kind of have to zoom out and figure out, okay, well, what is a level 10 opportunity? And that's kind of what I'm doing now. And I'm very, very excited about this, this new thing that I'm going into. I think it's going to be great. I think we're going to crush. But... So you realize like if you need X amount, if I want to live an insane life, I, I know I need like at least a 10 piece. I need like at least 10 mil, right? Like fuck you money forever. So I know that if I was to assume the current rate of growth, it would take me for the rest of my life to even get there. Yeah. that That's not going to work for me. It would take me 20, 30 years to even get there if I saved every single dollar. Mm. That's the current rate of growth. So how do you, how do you zoom out and how do you increase the scale of Italy? So that, that's kind of what I've been thinking about. Um, but at the end of the day, it's like, that's where I want to be. That's what I want to do. And that's where my vision has gone. And maybe it'll change and maybe I'll want a more humble lifestyle, but I know I've been to enough places in the world now and I, I need to go to more, but I know I've been to enough places in the world now where I know where I want to live. I know how much it costs to live there and how much, it how much it costs to live a crazy life. And live a beautiful one. I think you can do that with no money as well, but money makes it a lot easier. Completely agree. So it's it's very interesting. Like when your when your vision changes from what you thought, like when you were growing up, you're like, I think it's a sign of maturity. Because you're not really married to anything. Yeah. You know? Like any kind of business idea, you're not really married to it. Like you you can because you know you can do another one. Or you know you have the skills to be Life's able to succeed again. Life's a game of pivoting. Just pivot. You got to choose. Make a decision. A decision. A decision leads you down a certain path. There you go. And you'll end up uh, going for the poor. You'll end up hopefully in the optimum place because obviously with more decisions and more fucking life experience, you d you decide what what matters to you, who matters to you, where you want to be, etc. And you become the artist of your own fucking future. Really, that's a bar. And, yeah. <laughs> And I think entrepreneurship is the ultimate alchemy to do that, really. And it's very, very, That's very hard. That's a great word. That's a great word. Yeah, I, I, I think it's a great word. I think it's I, a great word. I, I was, I, for some reason, I was like, I was like, well, I, I forget what I was doing, but 
something came on. It was like, I think it was in my Uber earlier and it, like Gary V came on and he was like talking yeah. about like entrepreneurs and the new rock stars and all that, you know, he's mm. doing very, in very Gary V fashion. But it's like, I don't think there's anything else in that exists in the world where you can genuinely have creative control over every aspect of your life. Not only creative control, but control over every aspect of your life besides figuring out how to do it on your own. But there's so many problems that come with that. There's so much stress. Like I think about the things that I need to do and it's like a million things. Yeah. I think Andy Fisella said this once and it's so true because entrepreneurship is disgustingly hard. That's the truth. Yeah. But it's the greatest personal development process of all time. Because it's 24 7, 365, and it's every area of your life because everything comes into it. Like, you don't clock off. No. And, you know, it goes beyond just like the actual tangible work you're doing. It goes into like the person you become that is able to do that work, the relationships you build that help that, you know, the fitness you might achieve that puts you mm-hmm. in the best state to do that, et cetera, et cetera. And, yeah, it's kind of mad. We're all just people on a spinning ball of rock, really. But I think entrepreneurship yeah. is the greatest opportunity to try and leave your mark for yourself and other people and have some sort of impact. I agree. In whatever thing you're doing. Yeah, man. Like, And just that, cr- creating something from nothing is just, I think it's what, what, I think it's what we should be doing. Like, how good do humans. you feel when... And, and I agree. Like, you ha- like, I think creating creating something from nothing is the ultimate alchemy. It's art, really, isn't it? It's art. It's it's alchemy. It's creating something from something else. Like, how good do you feel when people buy one of your products and they like they live, leave like a positive review or they yeah, love? Yeah, one so of your I products. went on a podcast the other day actually for about two hours speaking specifically about the new brand, and it's quite mad because it's one of those. It's like I said before, when you reflect on like a few months ago, and I reflect on like that business didn't exist, that product didn't exist whatsoever, and then you have people like buying it subscribing to it saying it's like fucking changed their life or whatever yeah um and yeah that that is cool and it's like fuck like that all just comes from a brain ultimately yeah but also then so i came up with this like kind of cringe phrase which is like the slogan of the brand now which is nothing exists until you create it it's absolutely true and it's like it's kind of like a this like 80s movie sort of vibe which is what i'm fucking into but I believe that in every area of life. Yeah. Like, in terms of like, and this is what have you everything. Like, if I fucking, if there's a girl I like and I see and I fucking want to be involved, if I don't speak to them or just start something, you know, that's never going to be a thing. Yeah. If I don't start fucking going to the gym, I'm not going to get in the best shape of my life. If I don't, like, time is just, time is running out. Yeah. And it scares me a lot. And, I'm very motivated by that, but it, but it's not just in like a business sense. It's like it's like you were saying. I want to fuck. I want to fucking experience everything. Like yeah, you know, I want to have a great physique. I want to make a load of money. I want to have a beautiful relationship with the most beautiful woman. You know, I want to the health, wealth, love, and happiness. Like yeah. that triad of things or whatever. And I, I think I think you the pursuit of all of that is is like what we should be doing as humans, basically. Yeah. But it's very very hard. Yeah. And, and that's the hard thing is that it's hard it's because and so it many people get caught up in the hierarchy of needs yeah 
like they get caught up in like the first two levels of the hierarchy of needs and they never self-actualize. And I think actually it's very interesting. Like just what you just said about entrepreneurship, entrepreneurship is the ultimate self-actualization. You're literally taking an idea, something that you had in your head, in your consciousness. And we don't, as humans, like we don't even know how consciousness exists, but you're taking an idea that you had in your consciousness based on your experience of the world of the world and creating something from nothing and putting it out there into the world for other people with other consciousnesses to consume. Mm. Crazy shit. And it's yeah, like it when you get to a certain level, you can snap your fingers and make it exist. Yeah, it's crazy. It's really cool. Like leverage. Yeah. Like I, I think about when I if I pick up a guitar. And you know I'm not as good. I need good to play my it. guitar more. It's just behind the sofa. Oh, I never play that shit anymore. I'm gonna start writing love songs again. You should, because it used to be about girls that don't exist. Because yeah, well, because you need you need some sort of outlet, right? But like, mm. I think about guitar, right? Like I've played enough guitar in my life to where if I pick up the guitar and I start doing things and I start pressing things and and moving both of my hands, and I turn my brain off, th- some random things happen, and sometimes it sounds good. And I can pick up the guitar and I can just play. And I think that's the ultimate metaphor for life. Yeah. You, if When you get to a certain level of, of experience or competence or conviction, whatever the hell you want to call it, you can start to pick things up and just play. And that's yeah. a beautiful thing to do, right? Like, after you've gone, th- like you've gone through the shit, like music, for example, guitar, your fingers hurt. You don't want to play anymore. You sound, you're, you're making mistakes. You sound like shit until one day you play that, you play that minor, minor pentatonic scale or you play that mm. riff, right? Like I remember when I heard since I've been loving you by Led Zeppelin, mm. the live version from Madison square garden, 1973. And I said, I want to do that. And it took me until I was about 20 years old to get that song. Right. Or be able to have the competency to even play that song. Mm. Right. Because I didn't play all that. I, I stopped for years when I was, when I was in my teens and like I picked it up and, and then I rem- and then I realized how much I loved the creative process and I loved music and I loved art and I love, I like so many, I like so many things, dude, fashion, art, design, architect, like all the things, like the things that make the world beautiful, the things that make a place worth visiting or, the, you know, and I think, and I appreciate that so much because I appreciate craftsmanship. Yeah. And when you appreciate craftsmanship and the work and the labor that went into creating something beautiful, because you've done that. The only way you can appreciate that is if you've done it yourself. Business is the same thing. Yeah, I, I actually said this last night again <laughs> to this girl. I said a lot of fucking wise shit. And I, yeah, I just think like life is the pursuit of like of beauty and shit. It yeah. kind of sounds like flipping and... But to me, it is like I'm always just pursuing like movie scene moments and shit. And like even oh, like absolutely. the best clips from a podcast kind of feel like that because... It's just like discussing powerful things with like nice lights and shit. Yeah. You know, like a, a moment with someone that you fucking have wanted to see for a long time. It's the same sort of shit. You know, a moment on a trip that you remember forever could be the same sort of thing. I feel like my entire life is just trying to run away from like the mundane and try and make same. everything. And and yeah, like the creation of fucking, you know, listening to music, putting certain lights on, like certain smells creating something that looks aesthetically pleasing is all just escaping from 
the mundaneness of just basic human existence. And for me, I just feel like I'm running away from just normality and trying to create like this fucking dream world, which is like what it says on that fucking canvas. So I think deep down, that's what it's all about. It's just like trying to live as much as I can. I think you're doing it well. In that sort of vibe. I think you're doing it very well. I really do. But I feel like I'm in Blade Runner right now. Yeah, it's cool. Like, there's a, and thought, for some reason, I always get to talking about like philosophy for some reason. And I always bring up the myth of Sisyphus, but I'm not going to bring it up here because it doesn't relate. But there was an anthology of like philosophy writings that I read when I was 18. And it completely, I like, I, I don't remember what half of them said, but I remember it just changed my perspective. And my perspective now is, is quite relationary to what I read in this, these books. I think, and, and this guy named Soren Kierkegaard wrote something called, um, it's like death into despair. And he talks about how every single person lives. And it's, and it's also, I, I believe it's based on Buddhism, but he wrote this, he wrote this word, this, this essay on how every single human lives their lives in despair and their entire goal, the entire goal of life is to, to bring yourself from the depths of despair and to tr- finally get out of it. And his whole, his whole point of the essay was very, it was very morbid, but he said, the only way we can get out of despair is if we can die or something like that. And if I'm wrong, please feel free to roast me in the comments. But, um, and it was very interesting because it, it goes in line with Buddhism is life is suffering. Mm. And I think everyone needs to create some sort of escapism where they run away from the suffering because especially in business, right? Like, dude, like we probably both could do a fraction of what we do now and go live on a beach in Bali and just relax and eat coconuts and eat avocados and eat pancakes and chill. Yeah. Right. But there's something inside of us that we, where we don't do that. Right. I think, and I think some men have the ability to conquer the world and some men don't, but it's very interesting because a lot of the times it's based on the running away from suffering. And that's the whole point of trying to find enlightenment. And I think we can kind of create moments of enlightenment in our lives all the time. Yeah. It's one of the reasons I travel so much. It's one of the reasons why you have these lights here that say create your own reality because you're right. Because, because every single day we try to find our own sense of enlightenment to take away the suffering and actually in business itself induced suffering most of the time. And actually, I would go as far as to say most people have a choice and most people in the world, actually, I'm not going to say most people because there are some people in fucked up situations. A lot of people in the world are suffering from their own self-induced despair. Instagram. What did we talk about at the beginning of this podcast? Instagram mm-hmm. caused social media, attention spans, everything. There are some people you know, in, in very remote parts of the world who are experiencing horrible lives. Right, who just lost children to you know some warlord or something like that, mm. and that's real despair. That's real shit, right? Or losing a family member to cancer, or having a family member like some like real stuff. But most people living their everyday lives, these are who I'm referencing, suffer from their own self-induced despair. Oh, I have to pay my car. I have to pay my lease. Mm. I have to. I can't go here. I have to do this. So oh, I have to go to my job, get my wa- get my wages, get my paycheck. You don't have to do any of that. It's your choice. 
right? And it's it goes back, I want to relate this to how I was like, I had, you know, I was listening to a video of, of Christian LeBlanc say, oh, I, I moved to Thailand with two grand and I was like, I saved up my first $2,000 and I moved and I just said, fuck it, right? He could have stayed in that job that he had and be like, oh, I'm not going to leave until I have a hundred grand. I got to pay my lease. I got to pay my car rent. I got to pay my car. I got to pay my rent. I got to pay this. I got to pay that. He's the guy that just said, fuck it. And he's ridiculously successful. Mm-hmm. And I think most people need to grab them, especially most guys, right? But most people need to just grab themselves by the balls and say, nah, I'm not going to put up with this anymore. If you're a type of person that doesn't want to live how they're currently living. Because it's genuinely self-induced despair. My my entire, those two, two years from when I was 22 to 24 was absolutely self-induced despair. It was all in me because I had the money. I had enough money to live for a year by my fifth or sixth month working. Hmm. Right? Full year. I could just, I could have lived the same, nothing would have changed. I would have my, my, my nice car. I would have my, my nice apartment, whatever. And I would have been chilling. I would, I would have still ate at restaurants almost every day. Like, Nothing would have changed. And I had like two or three years of runway and I'm like, why am I doing this? Self-induced despair. So check out, if you guys are into philosophy, you guys want to actually read. I know, I know some people probably listen to you read a lot of books. Mm. Soren Kierkegaard. And then check out Albert Camus. Albert Camus is the boy. And then Friedrich Nietzsche. I need to read more. I'm trying to, trying to read more. Do, sure. Are you not a reader? You seem like a, you, you, you're a very intellectual guy. Yeah, I wouldn't say I'm naturally a reader because I, I struggle to sit down and just focus on one thing, which is why I need to do it more. But philosophy as well, yeah. I've got a bunch of books I need to fucking read, but I, I don't know where I get mine. What appears to be knowledge from, maybe just life, different sources. Yeah, like, I think the craziest thing I heard in philosophy was like, obviously, like, you have, like, the... It's, I'm fucking him a reference to the myth of Sisyphus. It's like he's pushing a boulder. He gets sentenced to hell. He gets sentenced to Hades. And it's a Greek myth. He gets sentenced to Hades. And he's got to push a boulder up a hill for the, up to the top of Mount Olympus or mountain for the rest of eternity. And then as soon as the boulder gets to the top of the mountain, it falls. And he has to go. And his sentence is to walk all the way down the mountain and do it again. And do it again. Do it again. And do it again. For mm-hmm. eternity. And the message in it is one must imagine him happy because there's beauty in the struggle. Because yeah. you find pleasure in the journey, and the whole and and you can and the whole metaphor is for life, right? Especially when you start at the bottom. When you start at the bottom, you're pushing that boulder out of hell, and then finally you get to the top of the mountain, and something goes wrong, fucking drops again. Yeah. Right. But the journey is in the climb. Like the like when you had so your true. when you bought your Ferrari, hmm. right? Was, did you have more fun when you had the Ferrari or the, was the journey fun trying to get it? I definitely think trying to get it. Why? I, I, it's probably the same with like certain girls and other things as well yeah. in many ways. Yeah, yeah, for sure. In many ways. For sure. Even though that can fucking drive me crazy. But because I, I, th- I think it's the the imagination and the, yeah. It's like, like like the carrot that's dangling in front in front of you. Whatever, whatever that goal is, almost all goals that I've achieved are anticlimactic. I think, which is kind of maybe a, a like a dark truth of life. But then that's why yeah, you're right. The pursuit kind of is is the is the beautiful thing or whatever. Um, there's definitely a euphoric moment, whatever, when that happens. But it fades. It's very fleeting, yeah. and 
and it, it ends pretty quick. But yeah, I think that's why you have to find what's worth pursuing and, and ultimately find something that might take you beyond a lifetime to actually do. So you, you can always pursue it, you know, whatever that is. Um, but I'm still figuring that out for sure. Yeah, I mean, you're right. Like, not every, I don't think every goal is anticlimactic. But life yeah, is a series not of every, but I think it, the most things, you know, once you've done it, it can only last so long, that kind of feeling of achievement. Or, yeah, because I think at the end of the day, life is a series of moments. And those those moments afterwards may seem anticlimactic, but I think when you look back on it, you're like, yeah, that was really fucking cool. Yeah, another thing I've kind of noticed in life is often I won't appreciate the moment until it's done. And so, But by default, even when I'm aware of that, whether it's like a, a trip to Mykonos or a moment with someone or, you know, it's like almost, I can almost look forward to the nostalgia of looking back on that moment and being like, ah, oh, that was special. Yeah. But in the, and then you can never go back to that because all we have is the present and it's so cliche. Yeah. But it's, it's also like terrifying, but like beautiful at the same time. And like, I think nostalgia is like a beautiful sadness. And I, I, and that's some, a feeling that I, I kind of like. So just looking back at times and thinking, oh, that was that was special or or cool and you can only do that looking back in hindsight you know what the best songs are the ones that make you feel nostalgic of a feeling yeah, that you've never had so true like dude I remember I remember being like eight years old and hearing like wake me up when September ends oh, by Green Day don't make me cry. and you were like bro like we're like That's six seven powerful, eight years old but we're listening to it and it's like whoa like yeah I know, wow, that, that, that song, I haven't even thought about that for like a decade. That's a powerful song. Or something like Black Parade. Mm, yeah, wow. That's like if one. you've lost somebody that you loved in your life. Because as a kid, right, like when, mm. we, when we were growing up, like it's like, that's like, that's or like something like Welcome to Black Parade, right? Like mm. that song is about a boy reminiscing on the loss of his, a young man reminiscing on the loss of his father. Yeah, it's crazy. Right? And like, like things like that are like the old Zeppelin songs, right? Like, uh, what is it? You got Heart, you got Heartbreaker by Zeppelin, Mm. right? Or you got Since I've Been Loving You, where he's like, he's talking about his girl cheating on him, right? I walked in the front door, I heard the back door slam, Mm. right? And it's just like, when you, when you were older, and I think when, like growing up, it's like those songs already made us feel nostalgic. And now when I listen to those songs, I'm like, whoa. Yeah. That's what he was saying. Yeah. Like, or like, you know, John, Mem- John Mayer Battle Studies when, or the song Assassin, right? And it's like, you can listen to that song when you're a kid and it's like, little did I know that girl was an assassin too. Hmm. And then like, when you live your life and you grow up, you're like, you meet some, you meet some, you meet some people and it's like, whoa, like I feel this, like I really feel this song. And I go back and I, I think I listen, I listen to a lot of that music and it brings me to a place where it's like, wow, like I miss, you'll miss like a certain memory or a, maybe not a person. So you might mm. miss a certain person, but you'll miss a certain memory or the feeling that you had in that moment. And I think it's good to do that. But yeah, you're absolutely right. The fucking moment is just like, I'm going to end up putting on some deep music after this pod and just like crying myself to sleep about some deep memories. But no, it's crazy. I, I feel like we could go on for fucking three hours, to five hours with this shit. Um, but I want to wrap it up shortly. Yeah, absolutely. And a question I ask everyone now it's become tradition almost and it 
it's an opportunity for you to think and be introspective is if you could give three bits of advice to yourself at 18 knowing what you know now about life business everything just broadly you know covering every area what would they be and there's probably plenty but you have to the three that come to you I think are probably the most so one each or about all three just three bits of advice life business and well it can be anything all three can cover anything anything. it's any part of life because I got asked this question on my own pod and it was fucking difficult to answer but it was I think powerful This is hard. There's so many things that I want to say. So, got pick three. This will be a cool moment, actually, with the with the video. Okay. So, number one, stop doubting yourself. And the reason why is, and I'll give the reason why, because I lived my life for so long, always fearing. The reason I didn't, and actually, when I told the lacrosse story, the reason I feel like I didn't perform or play as well as that I thought, uh, well, as I as I knew that I could perform, was because of my because I was scared that I would miss a shot, or I scared I was scared I was going to drop the ball, and that mentality. So, if I had to go back and be eighteen and be, uh, I would I would say stop doubting yourself and really truly believe it. And do everything that you possibly can to get into the mode of, of actually genuinely believing in yourself. With relationships, I would tell myself that people who aren't for you are not going to ever be for you. Hmm. Reason being is because a lot of people, and especially when I was younger, especially girls, it's better to it's better to know early than to know later. And it's better to be efficient and not waste your time and not pine after something or be completely, you know, chasing an enigma or something that because most people actually it's funny. And the reason I say this is because a lot of the, and and not only girls but in just terms of people, relationships, business, whatever. A lot of the times we chase an enigma and an idea of how things could be. And then when we actually get there, they're not actually how how we thought they would be. Mm, They're a lot worse. Or that person or you are not the same that you thought you were going to be. Or that person or that girl is not not what you thought they would be. Or that relationship is not as perfect as you wanted it to be. Mm. And so not only that, but just... Don't expect much, but over deliver and enjoy. And and when we when we under we under promise and over deliver, or have lower expectations, and it's better. It actually makes things better instead of ex- having incredibly high expectations. Hmm. Instead of instead of having incredibly high expectations, being disappointed, disappointed, we're actually really surprised. So that's cool. And then in life, like. Stand by your word, and when you get started on something, do it. And stop doubting yourself again. That's about it. I think I would be a lot further ahead if I didn't grow up with a lot of self-doubt. Or have have self-doubt. At all. But it's a very hard thing to eliminate. 
So I think that's it. Just off the top of my head, that's it. I could probably think for hours and be like, oh, like, you know, buy Bitcoin or yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, we're like, you no, know, that's good. That's good. So that's really it, Matt. I appreciate, I appreciate you a lot for having me on, man. It's been a good chat. I think so. We covered a lot of shit. I think so. Very I, interesting. For some reason, I thought I was going to be a little bit more loud and a little bit more like kind of in your face and, and punchy kind of how I, how I tend to be. Uh, but you do a very good job of cultivating and creating a vibe. Just a very relaxed space. That's the plan. So, so if it works, I'm glad. No, no, it does. I expect to be like in your face, like, no, they did it. Like, do this, 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 this. Like, you know, so. But yeah, it's been beautiful. I'm really liking London, man. I gotta say. Yeah, it's cool. You should move here. I should move here. I don't know if I could. I don't know if I could live here full time. Yeah. Uh, I kind of been doing this thing now where like I live anywhere it's warm. But I was walking down Regent Street today. I was doing I mean, some shopping. The, the weather's been crazy recently. The weather's been really nice. It feels like LA. But yeah. I was walking down Regent Street, and I'm just like, I'm like, man, I'm like, honestly, like. Uh, I miss kind of wearing a jacket. Like I miss, I miss it being a little cold. Like I miss yeah, kind of it's feeling right like now. it's too hot. I miss feeling the wind on my. Th- like I'm like, damn. Like I miss like you know, I miss I miss wearing like jackets and stuff. Like my outfit. I'm like, damn. Like I'm in like a same kind of shirt you got on like today. I was like, I'm just in that and like some jeans and like some sneakers. I'm like, what the f-? like, I kind of miss it being cold because I've been like in warm weather mm. consistently for almost a year and a half now. Yeah, shit. Nah, you'd have to think about it so. for sure. Um, yeah, great. Classic episode. But great episode. Over two and a half hours. This might be the longest pod we've ever done. At least according to what's on the screen. If you enjoyed the Midnight Pod, subscribe. Um, go check out David's stuff. We'll put links in the bottom. Put links. It's um, it's Hubi. I, I, I got a Hubi now. Yeah. I got, it's who.be slash DXVID because uh, David Dobrik took took my name. Yeah. yeah. What an asshole. Yeah, took sake. my name. Like, who does he, who's that guy think he is? That's how it goes. That's how it goes. <laughs> yeah. Subscribe to the pod like the video send it to a friend I like good cheer and we'll catch you in the next episode cheers for watching see ya peace bye